Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Good Thursday morning to you. Kevin and Query, right here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. Looks to be a really nice day again in Indy. Slight chill, and maybe crispness is probably the better way to put it. To start this Thursday, a whole lot of track activity over at IMS yesterday. More than 3,000 laps turned as Tuesday was canceled. Day one yesterday, as expected. All 34 cars out. No incidents, correct, Jake? Correct. Graham Rahal at the very beginning of the session had a light kind of brush with the wall um, that he was just like, whoa, okay. Probably should have been paying better attention there. And that was it. Uh, there were five caution periods. All of them were for track inspection. And that was that was the only time that the – it was busy. I mean, the, and kudos to R.C. Enerson, who last year was bumped from the field – so he is still technically a rookie. He had to go through rookie orientation yesterday, and that can't be easy when you're out there all by yourself and everybody's like, okay, man, let's go, even though it wasn't until noon that the track was available to everybody anyway. But he passed the rookie orientation and then went out, and I think a lot of people just assumed that he was going to be way up the speed charts, and he finished 30th of the 34. So I, you can't read a whole lot into yesterday's speeds, but... It was not glaringly obvious that he was the one that's going to be bumped, which is what a lot of people expect just based on experience. Uh, again, we will bump one car coming up on Sunday. Apollo Ward is going to join us at 845. Is that correct, Mark? Yes. 845 today for Pato Ward. Really looking forward to that conversation. We've had a lot of Arrow McLaren cars on this week. We'll have Alexander Rossi tomorrow to round things out. But Pato Ward coming up at 845. We'll talk some Colts with Joel A. Erickson. Really haven't committed a whole lot of time to the Colts this week, so we'll do that coming up at the 8 o'clock hour. Next week is when OTAs begin, so the first 11-on-11 part of the offseason. And the Miami Heat continue to do Miami Heat-type things. A hell of a second half from Eric Spolster's bunch last night. And it's just so Heat. Jimmy Butler does a little bit of everything. They had three undrafted free agents score 15 points in the game. Like, when do you think the last time an NBA team in the conference finals has had three undrafted free agents score 15 points apiece? It kind of reminds me of, and this is not new. I mean, this is, to your point, the Heat, this has become their brand, right? Sure. I mean, Heat culture, Jake, I know we make fun of it. Isn't it kind of real, though? Oh. I mean, there's a lot to like about it. First off, Eric Spolstra. Started out in the tape room. He's just a guy that that originally, as I had mentioned before, he played college basketball at Portland. Now the pilots, right? He was, I think that is right. He, he was on the floor in the, the, the horribly tragic Hank Gathers collapse in that terrible moment in 1990. Eric Spolster was the point guard, the defending point guard that was standing on the floor that, that Gathers. Really? I did not know that. And, yeah, that was Eric Spolster. Um, Got a job, worked for the Heat in the tape, <coughs> excuse me, in the tape room. He was literally like a tape editor and just worked his way up and is now one of the elite coaches in the NBA, has been for a while. 
but they kind of remind me of that Pistons team that won it like the Brawl era. There's no real superstar. I mean, Jimmy Butler's a star, don't get me wrong. And he's a superstar. But Jimmy Butler's not like the charismatic superstar to the level of a KD or a Curry or a LeBron. He's just a lunch pail superstar. Yeah, no nonsense. He, totally. And and then the rest of it is just the sum is better than the parts. And that's kind of what that Pistons team felt like with Richard Hamilton. Would have been the closest you had to a star. And then, you know, Ben Wallace and, I mean, I guess Rasheed Wallace maybe, but, you know, just a bunch of guys that did their job, knew their role, and it was really tough to break them apart, and that's what the Miami Heat are. Yeah, I'm watching them last night. Again, the Gabe Vincents, the Caleb Martins of the world, the Max Struess of the world. You you forget, or at least I have forgotten, watching them throughout this postseason. I mean, they're missing two of their top six scores, too. I mean, Tyler Hero was... I mean, I think Bam Adebayo is their second best player, quote unquote. But from a scoring standpoint, you know, Hero is right up there. Obviously, Jimmy Butler being the catalyst for it. Uh, but they scored 46 points in the third quarter last night, reversed a double digit halftime deficit on the road. They win game one, 123, 116. I thought it was wild how big of an underdog they were entering this series. Again, I, I didn't necessarily I don't necessarily think they're gonna ne- you know win the, the series, quote unquote. Uh, but it was kind of crazy to me how big of a favorite Boston was. So um and we've kind of seen a few moments like this from the Celtics throughout the playoffs. Jason Tatum super quiet in the fourth quarter last night. And for the third straight series, the eight seed heat win game one on the road. Tonight it will be the Lakers facing their first deficit of the postseason uh, they will take on the Nuggets. Again, 8.30 tips here in the conference finals. You know, yesterday, uh, back to that point, Kevin, it was just such a, like, perfect day at IMS. You said you listened to a little of it. Is that right? I did. Did. It was, uh, gosh, what a beautiful day. I mean, it was perfect. I, I would assume it's going to be close to that. Yeah, today sounds like that. Again, today. but um and tomorrow, a little iffy. So we'll keep an eye on Fast Friday. I would assume, Jake, you know, a lot of activity again today. Yeah, they will. Um, you know, you, you never know. I mean, you have 34 cars out there. And you look at some people's speeds and you're like, whoa. Or you look at others and you're thinking, what, what's going on there? Why are they so slow? You just don't know what they're working on. Could you walk me through the, and I know it's an annual thing. Can you walk me through the toe versus no toe? Yeah. So the easiest way to say that is, I want you to imagine that you're driving on the interstate, okay? So you're driving on the interstate and you are in the right-hand lane and there's a semi in front of you. And you were like, oh my gosh, I got to get past this semi. So you pelted with rocks. (laughs) So you get in the left lane to pass the semi. And as you're passing it, your your car kind of feels, you feel like a little bit of a wind. You're like, whoa. Whoa. Like your your car, all of a sudden, you, you kind of got to put both hands on the wheel because for a split second, you feel like your car is like, you're like, man, I didn't realize it's so windy out. Well, that's because there is a turbulence that is coming off of that truck. The wind is coming off of that truck. And as the truck is going through the air, the wind is is sliding off of it. The tow is what's called when you get directly right up behind that truck, that wind that is coming off of the truck, or in the case of a race car, the wind that is designed by the the sleek nature of those race cars, the air is designed to slide right off the top of it, right? So as you are going through on a straightaway and there's no one else around you, 
you are going through air. Your your car is like a knife that is going through a stick of butter of air. Yeah, can't avoid it. Correct. When you get right behind the car in front of you, the air is actually bouncing off of the car in front of you, and as a result, it is clearing the space for you, and that gets you an extra, say, mile and a half an hour. That gets you extra speed because that car in front of you is cutting through that air for you, and you have no turbulence. You have no resistance, and you're able to slingshot your way around, and then, you know, it's it's like one of those little toys that you and you slingshot around for probably 20 yards or so it gives you an extra speed probably longer than that 200 yards but that that's what's called the aerodynamic toe so a toe simply means that air that that suction is giving you a little bit of extra speed so when you see takuma sato doing a 229 and then sato himself says well that's with a toe that means that and, and it is entirely possible kevin that over the course of the race you obviously are always around other cars. So you want to know how your car performs in that traffic. So toe is in traffic, no toe is qualifying speed pretty much. Correct. So so yesterday in practice it is entirely likely that Sato was going out and they said, "Okay, let's see how your car feels in a toe or with air around you." So they probably sent him out with Scott Dixon since they're teammates and said, "Okay, Scott, we want you to tow Sato around to see how his car responds to it and how close he's got to get. One of the things, you know, Castro Nevis and Alex Pillow in 2021, when the race came down to the end, Castro Nevis has made no bones about the fact that he timed when to finally pass Pillow because he knew from practice roughly how many laps it would take to be able to cut through dirty air as they call it before you could get a toe on somebody and he figured out it's going to take him three laps to be able to get up on me close enough to be able to take that slingshot so i'm going to pass him with two laps to go so he doesn't have time to take advantage of it so when you hear what's called dirty air that means literally i want you to think if you have a hair dryer and you have a matchbox car if you're if you push a matchbox car towards me and I turn on the the air dryer and it's blowing the matchbox car, that's dirty air. That's air that's just blowing it all over the place. If I if if I set down my hair dryer, that's qualifying. There is nothing to impede you except for uh, I'm sorry, except for just the natural air. The dirty air comes off of bouncing off of other cars. If that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm saying it, but once you get if you and I are on a racetrack together and I am eight car lengths behind you. The air off of your car is pushing me backwards. But once I break through that air and get close enough to you, now there's nothing. It's like a little vacuum, and I can just fly right around you. So it basically, takes forever to get to that point. When we hear you you know, giving us speed updates or track updates on the station, or you're watching the 6 o'clock news, and they say, Takuma Sato's topping the speed charts, that means his car is the best in traffic or the fastest in traffic. Whereas if you clarify the no-toe... Correct. Then you're saying these are the better cars potentially for qualifying. That is 100% correct. Got yes. It, so yesterday, it. the fastest non-tow speeds were Renus. Like, so the teams themselves, there are two. This is what's interesting about the Indianapolis 500 and practice. There, You have basically two ways that you set your car up. One is for the race itself, which means it's got to be good in traffic because there's 32 other cars on the track. But before you can get to the race, you've got to qualify. 
You got to be one. You've got to put yourself in a fast position. So you work on your car. How does it feel when it's all by itself? And does it play nice with others? Like your your daughter Rosie's getting ready to go. She's in preschool or kindergarten. Yeah, right? yeah, preschool. Take so care. yeah, your teacher may say, you know, when Rosie gets around other kids, I mean, she's very hyper and she's running around frantically. And you go, well, that's crazy because when she's home by herself, she's an angel. <laughs> it's two different things. I wish by yourself and playing with others. So you, you want to make sure your car is good by itself. You also want to make sure that it plays well with others, and that's the real trick. Yeah, amen to that. Certainly. That sounds like hell, honestly, for myself. <laughs> um, so basically yesterday, Ganassi dominated the, the day. Takuma Sato, as Jake said, um, that is a new relationship, right? Sato with Ganassi. Correct. Um, he topped the speech art. Scott Dixon second. How about Santino Ferrucci, our guy, third? Did you find it interesting that when I asked Felix Rosenquist that question yesterday, of like who would he want to defend with 10 laps to go? He picked Santino Ferrucci. Yeah, that was interesting. I, I would not have guessed that. Uh, Alex Pillow, fourth. Scott McLaughlin, fifth. Basically, throughout the day, you had multiple Ganassi cars either atop it or you know two of the top three. I think at one point they had all four up there. They had four of the top seven. Uh, rounding out the top ten, Colton Herta, Marcus Erickson, Ryan hunter Ray, Joseph Newgarden, and Marco Andretti. So in hunter Ray, in Marco's case, uh, we have not seen them all year. They are here. Just for the 500, pretty much a good day. It seemed like for Ganassi, of course, uh, Penske and Andretti as well. Uh, not as you know up there, the Aero McLaren cars. So maybe something we can talk to Pato Award about. And as Jake said, on the no toe, basically the better qualifying um, simulation. You had Renus VK, Ed Carpenter, and Will Power. Yeah, it's um, today's going to be another perfect day. I-, I love it. I mean. You know, nostalgically speaking, Kevin, I just love being out at the track on a practice day because, and admittedly, you know, old guy clouds, get it, right? But people walking around, having a beer in a tenderloin, cars getting, you know, whistles being blown as they call pull cars out on the gasoline alley. You run into people you haven't seen forever. It's just cool, right? I mean, and that's... That was such, you know, hey, you going to the track, you going to the track. That was such a, a phrase that was such a part of the culture here in this city for so long um, that hopefully people are able to come out today and can run into some people and shoot the ball. A little more packed schedule today, but um, bingo card for you guys. I ran into Pat Lowry yesterday, who's a year older than me. Not familiar um, with Pat. Do you usually call him Patrick? He grew he goes by Patrick now. How'd you know? I just wanted to make sure on the bingo card that we clarify. Yeah, uh, we don't want to cheat here. Grew up across the street from Farkas. Oh, there sure. you go. Yes. Yeah. Playing kick the can. The and, and, well, oh, you know, yeah. you guys know how it is, though. When you're a kid, you know all the guys that are like a grade ahead of you, right? And more often than not, the guys are grade ahead of you until about junior high school are, are you know, they're kind of like, not bullies, but they're you know they're usually kind of jerks to you, right? So you remember the guys that were actually super cool to you from the get go that treated you like you were in their grade, which was like a rite of passage. And Pat or Patrick Lauer was that guy, so it was cool to see him. Oh man, maybe give him a couple spots in the old bingo card there, Mark. <laughs> He's free space as well, yeah, right? A hundred percent. Again, Joel Erickson is going to join us here at eight o'clock. We'll chat some Colts with him uh, coming up at eight forty-five. It is Pato Award. Uh, right now, up in Chicago, you've got the NBA Draft Combine. I did see uh, Zach Eady met the media yesterday. 
Um, less than two weeks away from deadline day for Edie to make a decision on whether he will return to West Lafayette. And he certainly said yesterday the motivation of how last season ended would be high on the list of reasons why he would return or enter his name into the NBA draft, or I guess keep his name in the NBA draft. Dustin DePirac from the Star caught up with him. Um, you know, Jake, I guess it's two weeks out. Zach Edie certainly does not sound like a guy that is just like, coasting through this process just to do it and he's automatically returning to West Lafayette. Totally agree with that. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much is, into... he is underturning every stone, right? Yeah, maybe I'm reading a little too much into the comments, but like he sounds like he's going to go right up to the deadline. Um, he certainly talked in a way of like pitching himself to NBA teams. I mean, he's mentioning you know, Jonas Valanciunas and, and Zubach for the Clippers and Steven Adams and Brooke Lopez. I mean, he's mentioning the names of guys that obviously you know, have had success in the NBA and he would like to compare himself to. Um, he said he has several workouts scheduled for the rest of the month. Um, so I f- find all of that pretty interesting. Again, if I were him, I'd take full advantage of this process. I, w- I would do all of those things. I think it's it's kind of a no-brainer for me if I were a fringe NBA prospect just to get used to it all. So th- then when you do declare, like Trace Jackson Davis this year, and you're not coming back, you're used to the process. And obviously Trace tried to do that last year, got COVID, and wasn't able to take part in a big, big chunk of uh, this process. But... Uh, yeah, Edie seems pretty open-minded to things right now, so that will be something to continue to monitor. He's not playing in the five-on-five part of the combine. Um, I did see a list of the prospects that declined to play: Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen Huchifino, also on that list. Basically, if you think you're a first-round pick, you don't play. It sounds like I don't know. I saw Trace Jackson Davis, and I thought it was a great explanation. Hey, you know, I probably could have showcased that I can shoot. I know that pros wanted me to show that I can shoot threes, but I wanted to win games in college, and that wasn't what we needed to win games. Perfect answer. Um, With that, though, I don't know that hitting spot-up threes with a manager spraying the ball around to you for 90 seconds of video that people put on Twitter is exactly everything that they need to see, right? Yeah, but I guess the alternative. Yeah, I get it. It's just kind of like what else right now? I mean, he's going to go to these workouts where we've read off the list of Pacers workouts before. You know, you have six guys in there, and he'll be matched up against some other power forward type of guy, and he's going to have to, you know, stretch the floor. And obviously, it's still a projection, and we'll see what happens when you know five on five atmosphere occurs for him later this year. And certainly, spacing you would think from an NBA standpoint would help him out a lot, and just getting cleaner looks. Um, how about the name? Did you guys see this? The name. The Milwaukee Bucks interviewed yesterday? I did see that. I immediately thought of you. He had to make the phone call, right? Oh, boy. Was that sitting on the tee for you? <laughs> I had kind of forgotten that... He had been an assistant there, correct? That Yeah, Kelvin Sampson, when he left Bloomington, the first stop was Milwaukee. For some reason, I only remember him as a Rockets assistant coach at the NBA level. I don't remember him with the Bucks. Um, so Kelvin Sampson interviewing for the Milwaukee opening. I'm almost surprised Kelvin Sampson is only 67. Listen. He looks like around that age, but I, thought, I feel like he's been coaching for decades. I thought when Kelvin Sampson was the coach at Indiana, he was arrogant, smug, and just for the most part, um, what was the word I've always used about him? Just kind of a scumbag. Um, but... Good, can, good emphasis there on the scum. He can, he can flat out coach. 
I mean, I, I will not deny in any way, shape, or form that he is. And again, I realize that the indiscretions for which he was penalized at Indiana are now legal. I have always said it wasn't the the act of what he did. It was the total defiance to the rules. And by that, I mean, when he was hired at Indiana and was asked about an investigation at Oklahoma, his answer was, that's a rule I didn't take seriously. Not that's a rule I didn't understand. That's a rule I didn't take seriously. Um, but he can flat out coach. I mean, he is as good a coach and, and in particular defensive coach as you can find. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds there on multiple levels. Again, he has a handful of years as an NBA assistant. Um, you know, he's gotten Houston to a level as they are right up there with any program in the nation in terms of consistency over the last handful of years. Um, you know, they haven't made that full, full run. They've gotten to a Final Four, but, um, you know, have fallen short. So, uh, Kelvin Sampson interviewing for the Bucks. You know what? I'm going to do this again for Matthew's sake, okay? Matthew said, Jake, that explanation of a toe was clunky at best. Fair. No. I'm not a science person, so that's fair. I, I think it's a very difficult question to answer. Here's the easiest way I can. It finally hit me, Kevin. Okay. okay. Have you ever gone to a haunted house? Like Nightmare on Edgewood? Sure. Or, you know, anything? Sure, yeah. A lot of times in those haunted houses, they have one of the like gimmick rooms they have is one of those rooms that is pitch black and they have like mattresses pushed together and you have to walk through it. So so you're like stuck in between these. It's almost like, you know, I'm talking about the two. You walk into the room and then you realize that there's a narrow path with like mattresses on either side of you so you got to squeeze your way through it and of course the design is to make you like panic because it's pitch black right Mm -hmm. so you got to sit there and you're pushing your way through this this it's an opening but not really an opening because the mattresses are real tight together and you got to push your way through it your natural tendency in that situation is to get as close to the person in front of you as possible so that they're doing the pushing and the mattresses are spread out just enough that you don't have to do any pushing at all because the person in front of you is doing you doing it for you. If you fall too far back, the mattresses then go back together and you've now got to do the pushing. What kind of quality mattresses they got in a haunted house these days? They're not Tempur-Pedic, I assume. No, um, <laughs> my pillow. They get a oh, deal. Well... I feel that way about the revolving doors. Like if you walk in the convention center, I like for the person in front of me to push the door, and then I can just kind of yeah feed off their. That's their, that's their, a good way draft. of saying it. Also, uh, Alex My points out with a bunch of election results in there. Oh, it's, I found some votes. <laughs> like like we said, it's very uncertain. No one really knows yeah, where they're going. Easy right? now. Alex goes. Think of toe as when they do shake and bake on Talladega nights. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I think toe is a slingshot in traffic, and no toe is you're out on the track by yourself correct pretty much correct um jacob i gave you two piles right now okay one pile has four cars and they all for team ganassi the other pile has 29 cars which pile are you taking to win the 500 i take the 29 only because i do think arrow mclaren's going to be really good and i don't think you can rule out new gardner mclaughlin either or power I, I is mean, it a legit question like do it, you do, do you very, think about very, it yes oh absolutely yeah it's pretty darn impressive what chip ganassi racing has done here over the last few years in their really i think it's fair to say dominance at ims especially compared to penske's lack of dominance you know i had this fear when roger penske bought the track i'm thinking oh boy 
you know, this is the guy that runs the Little League is now also, and his son is on the travel baseball team, and he's just going to pick the team Correct. with all his friends on. You know, I like think a lot of people felt that way. A little bit of insider trading, if you will. Um, but that has certainly not been the case at all. Speaking of Aero McClare, and again, Pato Award joining us at 845. Looking forward to that conversation with him. It is a beautiful Thursday. The blinds are going to have to be closed here during the break. Absolutely gorgeous in Indianapolis. So track activity, same as yesterday, right, Jake, in terms of noon to six? Correct. That's exactly right. So noon to six out there, both Jake and I will be uh, out there at IMS today. So looking forward to getting out there. And we'll do some Colts conversation coming up at eight o'clock. And also look ahead a little bit to the Fever. They've got opening night coming up tomorrow night. So we'll chat a little bit about that in the nine o'clock hour, along with, again, wall-to-wall coverage, giving away a pair of tickets to the Indianapolis 500 that is coming up during the pop quiz. Uh, And if you missed it yesterday, tickets still available. This is Monday night, 6 to 8 p.m. right here in our lobby. It is uh, Tales from the Track featuring Ed Carpenter, Hammer, and Nigel. We'll be with Ed Carpenter. Uh, and it's again six to eight. A dinner, drink ticket, registration for door prizes, Q and A with Ed, uh, meet and greet, and photo. You can find those tickets on wibc.com. So great event with a guy who was very fast yesterday from a no toe standpoint, and certainly has a whole lot of responsibility on him from an ownership standpoint as well. Thank you for tuning in, Kevin Aquari, right here on 93.5, 5, The Fan. For the third time this postseason, the Miami Heat go on the road and win game one. It was a huge second half from the Heat. They beat the Celtics 123-116. They scored 46 points in the third quarter, most ever in postseason history for that franchise in a quarter. Jimmy Butler, 34 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, 6 steals. He's not even in my Literally. Hey, talk about a dude that just talks and backs it up. Certainly Jimmy Butler. Playoff Jimmy, man. Atop that list. Three undrafted guys scored 15 points for them. Uh, So they take the lead on the Celtics 1-0. Tonight, it'll be game two. The first time the Lakers have been down all postseason. Uh, They've got the Nuggets at 8-30. What do you think? Denver up 2-0. Lakers find something there late in the game against Jokic? Denver up 2-0. I I agree with Jake. Denver's pretty darn good, man. I'll go with the Lakers. Okay. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday. Rockies over the Reds, 11-6. It was the Cardinals blanking the Brew Crew, 3-0. Astros over the Cubs, 7-6. This is an awful, awful loss for the Cubs. Was that for the Cubs or for the yeah, Reds? that ball? was for the Cubs. And the race David, for PBR. blew that game. Diamondbacks, 5-3. Should we just go ahead and buy Kevin his Pets Blue Ribbon now? Why no, would, actually, whoa, whoa, whoa. No. I, I, I was like, you, I'm the one that's got to be buying. Yeah, actually, say, why you're right. Get any? You're right. I've been I looking up it. kegs at this point. Uh, Orioles over the Angels, 3-1, and... The Diamondbacks over the Athletics 5-3. Have we checked to see the Orioles and Diamondbacks? Did my A's play? They lost to the Diamondbacks 5-3. Yeah. I'm making hay against your, your A's right now. I think I beat... Didn't I beat you the other night? I don't think so. Orioles had a bit of a, a rough weekend with the Pirates, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not sure what Keith Bellis I want to say sits. that the, the Diamondbacks are like two games behind the Orioles, but they're they're coming. Let's see. I think we should call them Orioles are 28 and 15 with a win percentage of 651, and the Diamondbacks are 25 and 19 with a win percentage of 568. Oh, well, Let's you know see. Uh, oh, that Kevin's Reds uh, 10 and 35 with a win A's. percentage of 222. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Slow start. Not bad. We're, we're second half Runs game. scored for the A's, 173. Runs against, 334. Uh, the Indians have an Holy 1105 hell. first pitch today if you're looking for By the a way, little action at Victory Field. Yesterday, you guys were giving me grief 
because I said that, you know, I was talking about bandwagon stuff and I'm like, look, it's easy to be a Cubs fan. Mm. What I meant was, and people are like, what are you talking about? They haven't won anything. I, look, what I meant was, if you live in Indianapolis and the Cubs are three hours away and they're on TV every single day and they play in a historic stadium that is surrounded by nothing but bars and like the, 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 I mean, the entire culture of being a Cubs fan has everything to do with anything but baseball, right? How dare you, sir? There's a reason whether what probably the, what would you say, who would you say are the five biggest fan bases in Major League Baseball nationwide? Yankees, Yankees Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs. Cubs. Yeah. And, and then probably the Cardinals. A's. Yeah. Oklahoma, probably the A's. Giants. Giants, I could see that, yeah. Braves, did you say the Braves? Yeah, the Braves, because they have TBS. Yeah. I'd say the Braves. Yeah, I mean, Braves for sure. They got that whole part of the country. Yeah. Uh, Over at IMS today, noon to 6. Again, it looks to be a beautiful day. Boost will be in the cars coming up tomorrow for Fast Friday. Looking ahead to Saturday and Sunday. You're going to set the field 13 to 30 on Saturday. And then Sunday, we'll bump one car. So it'll be four for three spots and finalizing that last row. And you'll set the first four rows. So 12 cars will make it to Sunday with the ability to be on the poll. Jake, your biggest takeaways from yesterday? Obviously, Ganassi, probably what we expected. Yep, that's probably the biggest takeaway is that Chip Ganassi clearly has fast race cars. And they, they work very well in traffic. Um, what will happen in terms of cars getting speeds that are a little more representative of what they'll see in qualifying, we might start to see more of that in the second half of today's sessions. Santino Ferrucci was up there yesterday. It's Kumasato. Um, two-time def- or two-time champ, probably could have won. I mean, hell, he's could have won three or four. Yeah, I know. Uh, he was the fastest yesterday as he is with Chip Ganassi here in the month of May. Mark, slight adjustment to the schedule. Is that correct? Yes. Pato Ward bumped up to 8 o'clock. Correct. So Pato Ward going to join us here in about 25 minutes. We'll push Joel Erickson back a little bit later in the show. Kevin and Query right here on a gorgeous Thursday in Indy. Beautiful day here in Indy. Kevin and Query. We're juggling some things schedule-wise. We're juggling chargers. Yeah, we're juggling phone chargers. What did you decide to do here? Uh, That was good, but then mine started working again, so I'm back. (laughs) Kevin Kevin made the mistake of asking me, do you happen to have an extra charger? I've never seen someone with so many cords. (laughs) Let me Hang on just a second. (laughs) I would make a killing with my backpack if I went on Let's Make a Deal. Yeah, what do I you mean, need? Nokia, Samsung, <laughs> Motorola? Literally, you can just sit there at you know the Pagoda Plaza and pass out chargers for people that uh, have battery issues today. Out on the track at noon, Pato Award Mark, we're thinking 8.15-ish? 8.15. 8.15-ish for... Joel Erickson, 8.30. Pato Award. Uh, Jake, I was thinking about this the other day, and you know, typically in the month of May last year, I would kind of throw a question at you. About the 500, about drivers, et cetera, et cetera. Tap into that brain of yours. And really enjoyed kind of the encyclopedia um, information base that you would would provide. Uh, How much do these drivers get paid annually? Fabulous question. Depends on the driver. Annually is the real key there. The full-time drivers and that are big names, Pata Award, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, they probably have a base that is anywhere from 500000 to upwards of a million or a million and a half. And then they have, in addition to that, they get a percentage of winnings per race. So when you hear, like, 
at the 500 victory banquet when Dave Calabro's like, hey, let's give out some money. And then they bring the, the driver up. It's a terrific Calabro impression. Thank you. <laughs> and they present a check for, you know, $400,000. Typically, the driver gets, depending on, again, bigger name drivers, probably 40%. Lesser name drivers, maybe more like twenty-five to thirty percent of that check. So, a four hundred thousand dollar check to a Joseph Newgarden, he's probably taking home one hundred and sixty grand for the race, um, on top of his base. But some of the smaller guys, R.C. Enerson, for example, family-owned team, you know, probably a lot less, or it's simply going into to keeping the team viable and keeping the team alive. So there is a variation, but that's the biggest thing that people ask is what when the check comes out, how much of that goes to the driver? Typically 35 to 40%. Now, in addition to that, I can tell you that the year that Dan Weldon won the race in 05, he was driving for uh, Andretti Autosport. The driver is also awarded the pace car. So if you win the 500, you get you get the pace car. That, that is your prize, amongst other things. Weldon, when he was awarded the pace car in 05, he eventually he left the team to go to drive for Roger Penske, and so, or excuse me, for Chip Ganassi. And so when he left to go drive for Chip Ganassi, on his way out the door, Andretti Autosports like, by the way, you owe us a check for 65% the value of the pace car because you're, I think it was 65 or 60, because you're, Contract says you get 40% of winnings. The winning, you got the car for winning the race, but technically speaking, you only own 40% of it. So if you want to keep the car, you owe us the other 60%. Jeez. And that was ironed out. So how many of the, whatever there are, 20-some full-time drivers, how many of them do you think make seven figures in a base salary? Excellent question. If there are 20, and I'm going off the top of my head, if there are 24 IndyCar drivers that are full-time for the season, and by seven figures you mean a million dollars or more uh in base, right? Right. I would say four to six. I would say most of them probably a couple hundred grand and then a percentage of winnings. So like for Scott Dixon, I would assume he qualifies as one of those four to six. He would be probably the highest paid. So is that Chip Ganassi paying Scott Dixon seven figures annually, or is that PNC Bank saying, here you go, Chip? Okay. Also a great question. PNC Uh, Bank being his car sponsor, for those unfamiliar. The assumption, I mean, obviously, the the assumption, which I think is a pretty safe one, would be that Chip Ganassi is paying Scott Dixon that money and then recuperating the money into his budget based on the sponsor. Now, there are sponsors that will say, hey, we're interested in sponsoring your team this year, but we really love X driver, and so therefore we will sponsor you so long as that's who you hire. Or there are also drivers like Stefan Wilson that have personal sponsorship or, or associations with the company. And they, like Sebastian Saavedra, who was you know, an annual kind of ride fill, ride filler is the wrong way of saying it. But late in the year, it was like, man, they need we need a 35th car. Oh, well, Sebastian Savedra just found an entry. He had uh, automatic fire sprinklers, I think was the name of the business. But there was a guy named Gary Peterson that Sebastian Savedra had a very close working relationship with. He loved the fact that Savedra was uh, a great spokesperson for his brand. So Sebastian Savedra was able to go to teams and say, hey, if you hire me, 
I'm going to bring a sponsor that's going to give you 300 grand if you hire me. And there are some teams that would say, you know what, we, we've got, we're a two car team and we've got a hundred grand that we'd really like to put into our second car to, to really put it over the top. And then a guy comes along and says, I, I bring 300 grand with me. Perfect. We'll take a hundred grand of that. We'll put it in car number two and then we'll 200 grand we'll use to, to fund this car into the race. And now we're good to go. So hmm. multiple areas in which it works. Um, I just told Mark, I, I'd be curious what the cheap, uh, cheapest, yeah I, yeah, I guess cheapest would, would, would be the right term. Um, F1 drivers, what's the lowest salary for an F1 driver? Looks like, and this is just a quick search, looks like a million dollars. Yuki Tsunoda and Logan Sargent, one million bucks each. And that probably doesn't factor in the money that they can make in endorsements by, you know, Formula One. The big advantage in Formula One, of course, being you're running in a different country every single week. So advantage and disadvantage. Advantage being that if you are, um, like if we were Kevin and Query and we wanted to sponsor the, the Kevin and Query car, right? If if we're the sponsor of the Kevin and Query car, the beauty of it is... We need to get Ferrucci behind the wheel. Okay, so we got Ferrucci driving for us and we're going to go in Formula One. It's perfect because now all of a sudden... We are getting recognition in Australia. We are getting recognition in Italy. We are getting recognition in Monaco. But if the Kevin and Query brand is not available for download in those places, then it's a total waste of our money. Why are we spending money in areas where... So there's a yin and a yang there. For example, Husky Chocolate that we've talked about on this program. Finally in America, right? Finally in America, uh, in terms of their spritzer they're coming out with in June. Like their answer, I think, to White Claw. But Husky Chocolate, which is like a, a protein drink that is big and huge in Sweden. They sponsor everything in Europe. The reason, Mark, is it, it took me a long time to figure out this answer. So this is a good example, Kevin, of what you're talking about. Marcus Erickson, when he came over here, and he had run in Formula One, but Marcus Erickson had Husky Chocolate as a sponsor, and everybody's like, why are they sponsoring this guy when you can't buy it in the United States? This is the dumbest marketing ploy of all time. Turns out, Marcus Erickson, who did not grow up with money, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, these are just rich kids whose parents bought them rides. Marcus Erickson, when he was like 10 or 11 years old, started racing go-karts, liked it, showed a skill set for it. Drivers in his home country noticed his skill set and said, you know what, this guy's got a lot of promise. So they started kind of coaching him. He eventually entered a contest, essentially, for just like Red Bull had done with Formula One here in the United States about 15 years ago, and a guy named Scott Speed was the winner, kind of like The Voice or American Idol. He, had, he was in a racing competition sponsored by Husky Chocolate, and the grand prize for him to win that was a sponsorship partnership with Husky Chocolate in his racing career. And that's why Husky Chocolate sponsors him to this day. And it's now, and hey, I mean, he wins the Indianapolis 500, and even though their product was not yet available in the United States, people that follow racing absolutely know what Husky Chocolate is. But that's that sponsorship with him goes back beyond just his initial, like, hey, let's sponsor the Indy 500. Ken Pato Ward going to join us here coming up around 8.15. Joel A. Erickson from the Star a little bit after that. We'll get into some Colts conversation. I think we've reached a point with the Colts in this offseason. You know, we're about two months into free agency. Um, obviously, the draft was, I guess, a little bit less than a month ago. 
Um, what has changed in the Chris Ballard building philosophy? That thought kind of crossed my head the other, crossed my mind the other day. Um, so I want to throw that Joel's way here, as we have certainly reached the big chunk uh, of the off season here. Did I see though there will be a um, Kyle Larson Jeff Gordon press conference later today? Is Correct. that just? I mean, I don't know. I saw Gordon's name and I was like, Yeah, they're going to be talking about Kyle Larson's uh, McLaren opportunity. And the Indy 500 for next year. So they said this is about the 2024 Indy yeah, 500. So just two year deal um, starting in 2024. Correct. Nothing. I don't. I shouldn't read into anything more than that. I, I. It's a good question. I don't think now the I. I heard Kevin talking about this on Trackside. I don't know that we knew for certain whether or not it was officially a two year deal. So maybe that's the one thing. But it is, I think, two years from for Larson to run here. Uh, for those caring about the start of the PGA Championship, we've got a frost delay. In Rochester, New York, right now, eight uh, fifty a.m. Tea times have been pushed back from seven to eight fifty a.m. You Who'd know you what? Uh, on? You know what? IU grad mm-hmm. um, won the two thousand three PJ Championship at this golf course. Sean McKeel, you, oh, yeah. you, you familiar with? him? I remember doing the story on that when that happened. Oh, honestly, one of the greatest shots in major championship history. His seven iron to tap in range on eighteen. They did a great feature on him last he night. He is from. Hold on, where is he from originally? Boy, I, my my get my initial hunch is Tennessee. I remember going down. Jeff Keg, you know Jeff Keg. Sure, the SID is, down there. This is very like inside baseball here. Jeff Keg, who is pretty involved in Indiana in terms of um, sports information that kind of thing. He was just starting out, and he was actually the the guy for men's golf at that when that happened, and so he was handling the Sean McKeel requests. Um, Boy, that, that'd be quite the. All of a sudden, it's like yeah. ringing off the hook, right? <laughs> uh, Mark, we so my brother and I are in a pool where you pick one guy each week. You mm-hmm. can't pick them twice in the same year. Uh, we went with Old Faithful. We went with Scotty Scheffler. Nice. I think that's where I leaned as well with a couple bets. You know, we picked Rom for the Masters, so. One for wow! I'm looking at the pool. You had 30 of the 92 people pick Brooks Kepka. Uh, Seve by Stereos is he in it this year? 12 picking DJ. That's my guy. Uh, unfortunately, I think Seve's underground. What's that? Uh, Seve is five under. Working in the sewer. No longer with us. He's, he, are you saying he's already six under? Uh, Sean McKeel did play with Seve at a British Open back in the day. So we'll keep you updated on that. Again, things underway at IMS at noon today. Pot Award, 8.15. Colts conversation in the 8 o'clock hour as well. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton. It is one minute after the hour of 8 o'clock in Indianapolis. Good morning to you on a Thursday, and so far a beautiful Thursday. My name is Jake Quarry. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton manning the controls for us. It's Kevin and Quarry on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Yesterday, I was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the Media Center running to... Longtime AP writer Michael Merritt, good dude. And he looks at me and says, Hey, I just ran into your coworker. I said, Oh, really? He goes, Yeah, Kevin. I said, Where'd you see Kevin? Out at the Colts complex, which leads to the question that I waited a day to ask, which is, Kevin, tell me what yesterday, what was going on at the Colts complex? Yeah, we are still one week away from probably the most activity in the spring, and that would be OTA starting next week. Um, so each of the next three weeks, the Colts will have 11-on-11 sessions, veterans and rookies together. No full pads, but it's the closest thing you'll get to that here this offseason. Uh, but yeah, yesterday was out there. Assistant coaches met the media. Boy, Reggie Wayne loves himself some Josh Downs. Called him the best receiver at the Combine, um, which I thought was quite high praise considering every, every receiver was there. At the Combine, said as a Miami fan, he was none too pleased with what Josh Downs did 
at North Carolina to his Hurricanes. Uh, but yeah, uh, assistant coaches met the media, and then um, Gardner Minshew also, who just a great personality, met the media as well. And Mark, you pull up that clip of, of Gardner um, and what his experience was as a rookie. You know, obviously Gardner Minshew is a six-round pick out of Washington State, 170 something overall. He cannot compare his rookie experience to the fanfare that Anthony Richardson walks into the building with as the fourth overall pick. But Minshew did start 12 games for Jacksonville as a rookie. Uh, Nick Foles got hurt early in week one of that 2019 season. Minshew was thrown in the lineup and played a whole lot. Uh, And Minshew and Richardson actually have a relationship that dates back before either of them were Colts. They both trained with, remember Will Hewlett, the QB coach for Richardson we had on a few weeks back? Minshew trained with him in the offseason. Um, along with Richardson, and again, this was before Gardner had signed with the Colts, and Gardner said it did kind of cross his mind at, at, at one point of like, well, I, I'd like to play for Shane Steichen. Oh, they do have the fourth pick. Uh, they don't have the future at quarterback. I guess this guy could be there too. And sure enough, a few months later, that's how it unfolded. But I wanted to ask Gardner Minshew yesterday just kind of what his experience was like as a rookie and how valuable he felt like those QB reps he got were. So here was Gardner Minshew yesterday on starting 12 games as a rookie. The thing about quarterback, I think, you know, one of the only, really one of the only ways to get better is to play it. So getting that experience is huge. You know, going out there, seeing looks, feeling the speed, you know, that's something you really can't replicate in any other way. So it's huge. Just getting any type of experience, any type of game snaps is uh, really, really important. So the question is, Kevin, does that mean that Gardner Minshew, understanding that and knowing that the future of the franchise is Anthony Richardson, would encourage himself stepping aside and letting Richardson get right in. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Gardner Minshew walked in the NFL, Jake, with 30 games of experience in college. Whereas, you know, Anthony Richardson, of course, is not walking into that. Less than half that. Um, There was another Minshew comment that when I asked the question, I thought it was kind of stupid at first, but Minshew seemed to be in a pretty good mood, and he strikes me as a guy that, you know, He's not just your average thinker. He kind of thinks outside the box, and and so I felt like it was worth asking him of, you know, he, he said his initial first impression of Richardson was the same one that I had when I walked out there to the practice field a few weeks ago of like, wow, I mean, that ball just jumps out of his hand and physically, certainly very, very impressive. But Minshew was mentioning how they've practiced together now for three days with the Colts. The thing that has impressed him about Richardson is when they've done like a lot of the RPO, the quick processing, quick thinking sort of um, whatever kind of quarterback rules, if you will, for the Colts offense, it's really impressed him how Richardson, for a big dude, is able to move very quickly, but also process very quickly. And I think sometimes... You know, when you get these elite, elite athletes, especially at quarterback, you worry about them as processors or things like that. And Minshew was very complimentary. He actually thought that was a similarity between himself and Richardson, which, you know, he obviously laughed and said, you know, there are not many similarities, but he does feel like that is one of them. Um, You know, I've always felt like when you watch quarterbacks play, Jake, I almost look at them kind of like shortstops. Like, they just have that natural motion to them. Like, you know, they can throw it from all the angles, and and it's just such an innate feel to it. But with big dudes, you sometimes don't always get that. You watch Richardson, though, it looks pretty natural. 
like him as a thrower. And Minshew was basically saying that and then also saying that, again, from a processing standpoint of the run-pass option, what are you going to do? Are you going to hand it off? Are you going to read the defensive end? Are you going to read that linebacker? Are you going to get the ball out quick? He said the early impression was Richardson uh, has a really nice grasp on that aspect of it. I think Minshew just seems, number one, just seems like a cool dude, right? Yeah, agree. And number two... Chill. Uh, he's probably, I, I mean... My wife thinks he's hot. Excuse me? My wife says Gardner Minshew is hot. That's what she told me last night when she saw my Instagram story of him. Did you get a hair like him? Boy, I, that PAI I think is going to help me out. I don't know if I now, can get that. Is he still a, a mustachioed whiz? Oh, sure, yeah. He's got, he's got some locks on him. I mean, I know he's kind of a... He kind of has that... I mean, I know that like Uncle Rico's been the comparison, but he kind of has that renegade look, right? But he's a darn serviceable backup. The thing I like about him... I like any backup, Kevin, that's able to come in and say, look, I, I, I realize what my ceiling is. Like, I've had my shot. Yeah. I've had my chance. And he's not an idiot. He when, knows he, he knows what's, what the story is here. But when he's been put in position, I think he's played pretty well. I, is he a guy that you're going to go to the playoffs with as a starter? Probably not. But is he a guy that, if the, and this is way down the road, but if the Colts get themselves in position where they – you know, have a roster that is a contending playoff level roster and Anthony Richardson tweaks an ankle or, you know, jams a thumb and has to miss two weeks, two to three weeks. Minshew is a, a fine offer and, and option to go yeah. to, right? You know, when the Colts signed him, Jake, I, I felt like he kind of checked the ideal backup slash bridge quarterback box in that he's obviously familiar with Shane Steichen. He started multiple games with Shane Steichen calling plays each of the last two years. So from a offensive system slash just familiarity on how Shane Steichen operates, he obviously checks that. Um, he's a guy that started 12 games as a rookie. Again, that's a big, big chunk of the season. That, I think, would be beneficial to helping Anthony Richardson whenever the Colts hand the keys to him. And then lastly, he's just pretty low maintenance, which is kind of what we've been getting at here over the past few minutes of he understands the reality of the situation. And he might be asked to play a whole lot. He might not be. He knows where the future lies with this franchise. All those things. So uh, for those reasons, again, I think Minshew kind of fits what you would want in having that other QB. And just as... Irony would would have it, you know, two guys that did work out together, uh, you know, before either of them were Colts, so they do have some sort of relationship. What uh, what's next on the Colts itinerary then, in terms of their schedule of events? Yeah, it is going to be the um, OTAs starting next week, so they'll have three of their eleven on eleven sessions next week. Um, I think three more the following week and then four that first full week of June. So they get 10 OTAs, uh, which are 11 on 11 sessions uh, here over the next three weeks. And then from June 13th, 14th, and 15th, that will be the three-day mini camp. Uh, It is mandatory. Um, So that will close out the off-season program. And then if you're looking for a start to training camp, I guess somewhere in that July, like, 26th range. If you're looking for when things could kick off at Grand Park, right around there. I just saw this from John Dedman. It seems like it gets earlier and earlier, by the way. Really? Yeah. 
to me. The CBA says 15 days before your first preseason game. That's when you can start camp. Uh, John Dedman just pointed this out, uh, Butler SID, that Sean McKeel is actually a Butler assistant. How about that? Really? He's playing, by the way, in the PJ Championship. I mean, that's impressive, right? Greg says that his wife um, says that Gardner Minshew looks like Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. You know, they you should made me do. Bleed my own blood. They should do in horse racing what they do with golf. Like, if you win one of the th- triple crown races in horse racing, you just get entry for the rest of your life. Oh, for a second, I misheard that, and I thought you meant that they should do the stud process for golfers that win majors and i'm <laughs> well, thinking well tiger woods tiger already woods did already did that right mm-hmm. yeah a lot of potential offspring out there for eldrick uh we got the preakness guy on tomorrow mark caleb keller yep uh sean McKeel, native of memphis by the way christian brothers high school in memphis tennessee before indiana university and turned pro in 1992 Pato Ward going to join us here in a few minutes. Jake, any concern over Errol McLaren from yesterday? It seemed like they weren't up there with the others. Ganassi certainly was the class yesterday. Penske and Andretti just behind. I would be lying if I said no. I mean, a little bit. Like, there was a little bit of an eyebrow raise. All four were in the back half, Notably, right? yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, to me, is interesting about that. Nobody turned more laps yesterday. Maybe Renus VK. I don't think so, though. But Alexander Rossi turned like 150-some laps yesterday. And that tells me that, that Rossi, that they might, you know, they may well have said like, okay, this is the guy that we're going to, he's our workhorse that's going to report back everything on the car. And so is it possible that Rossi turned that many laps because they were still searching? I mean, we'll ask Pato award that, but that's, but yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubt that it, it comes to mind of like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, were they a little off? Still plenty of time. Um, one of the, I'll tell you, we haven't mentioned this yet. One of the real feel good stories, and maybe that, that is selling short the team a little bit, but one of the really impressive days yesterday, I thought was Dreyer Reinbold, who Stefan Wilson, who we've had on this program, just a super nice guy. Stefan Wilson was flat out fast at the beginning of the session, ended up kind of in the mid-pack, and then... So was his teammate, right? And then Ryan Hunter-Ray was in the top 10. And Ryan Hunter-Ray, I mean, we know how how well Ryan Hunter-Ray knows the track, obviously. And, you know, for a team that many people thought like, okay, so if you're looking at like, which one's going to be the one to not get in the race, you know, what about the Ryan Reinbold cars? Uh, They look plenty fast to me. They look pretty good. Would you guess today is a little bit more qualifying-centric with the iffy weather tomorrow? Say that one more time. Would you Would you guess today's focus a little bit more qualifying-centric for teams with tomorrow 50% yeah. chance of rain? Uh, will Power had said yesterday that he anticipated today that they will put things, run some laps in a qualifying setup. So we might see some pretty decent speeds today. Uh, Pottle Ward going to join us here in a few. Joel A. Erickson to talk some Colts coming up in a little bit. Again, noon to 6 today. The plan is for noon to 6 tomorrow as well. And that leads into Qualls coming up on Saturday. Uh, We'll bump one on Sunday. We'll uh, get the first four rows set as well on Sunday. There'll be a practice Monday. And then nothing out at IMS from a practice standpoint next Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Carb day. We'll be out there a week from tomorrow. Brace yourself. Prepare accordingly.
Um, How many banquet beers do you have stocked up already? I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a different path. I think I'm gonna go with Keystone Light. Channel my college self. Shirt off by eight fifteen. Keystone Light. Uh huh. Yeah. Just a Mark. What are you going with? Very mediocre, borderline horrific beer. Give me the Blue Mountains. Oh, I could get behind that. Mm-hmm. The Blue Mountains. Coors, Miller, or Bud, Bud Light. Uh, Do you, you think you them? could successfully know the difference between each three on a taste test? That's a great. Now there we go. There's give me a the show. Give me the three again. Coors, Miller, Bud, Light. I think we just thought of a segment for the show. Do you think you could get all three in a taste test? Well, the Bud Light's the one that's got them holes coming oh, out boy. the side of the can. Oh, um, God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Hour and 45 minutes. Keystone Light, I'd be able to tell because it's got the, it tastes like it comes out of a bottle, right? Because it's got the lining on the inside of the can. Keeps it cold. Coors, I'd be able to tell because it's got the mountain water in it that has to be refrigerated, and that's why it takes so long to get here from the... From the other side of the Rockies. I, I told you the to story refrigerated trucks. that my dad said, you know, back when he was at Indiana State, Coors Light was like such a rare commodity that him and one of his fraternity brothers drove from Terre Haute to Denver to get it. Loaded up the car. <laughs> you imagine driving from Terre Haute to Denver for Let Coors Light you. and then they come back and all the girls wanted to come to their party because they had Coors Light. Let me tell you the three adult beverages that I most remember there being like this hub hub about when it arrived, right? Coors, Coors was number one when I was like in high school. That was the big rumor. It was like it has to be in refrigerated trucks, and you know exactly what you're talking about. Number two was, do you remember the like? And I think I can't remember if it was nine days or a total of two weeks when not your father's root beer was all the rage. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> can't get any. It's sold all everywhere. I mean, it was unbelievable. I how people were like trying to sell it on eBay. And everybody loved it, and they and then by the time they had the second bottle of it, they're like, "This is like maple syrup." Is, I mean, a yeah. little of that went a long way. Is it still around? It's still around. I think they have a few different. I haven't had one in years. So you're pretty confident. Jake, Yingling could, was the other one. Yingling's the other one. Yes. You could go three for three if we put a Coors, Bud Light, Miller Light in front of you. You could tell the uh, the difference on those three. Yes, because. Um, I like Miller Lite a lot, actually, because I, I have a. I like the Milwaukee beers. I'm just I'm loyal to Milwaukee. Now, what about Old Milwaukee? Next week. How about Old Milwaukee? I don't think I've ever had an Old yeah, Milwaukee. Boy, it's been Schlitz. Same Stroh's. Yeah. Stroh's I've had. How about Lowenbrow? Do they still make Lowenbrow? I've never heard of that one. I'm trying to think where the Coors Banquet came from at Carb Day. Was that just were fans having? Yeah. yeah, somebody came up and handed you one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Jake, what about the Coors Light Party Ball? I, I do remember that. The Party Ball was like a miniature keg. <laughs> I feel like we need to do this taste test no, what about, next week. What about Little Kings? You guys I mean, honestly, little- Carb Day would be the perfect spot for yeah. it. Little Kings? You ever do the Little Kings? No. But I think Pizza King's underrated. You've never had Little Kings, Mark? Nope. Are you serious? You guys have never I've had never Little heard Kings? Of it. No. You've never heard of Little Kings? No. no. Where is J and V when I need him? Three Little Kings sounds like a song you sing around Christmas. Well, you know what? We could call this program Three Little Kings. <laughs> Mark, how should we handle this? We're just going on the fly here. Should we morning check down yeah, it? Do Wait for Pata? And we'll we'll jump out early if if he calls in. All right, they're partying on South Beach. We'll lead off the morning check down with that.
Boy, Jimmy Butler and all his little friends getting it done last night. Uh, it was pretty impressive to watch in the third quarter. In particular, uh, the Heat get it done over the Boston Celtics. A 46-point third quarter from the Miami Heat. They had three undrafted free agents score 15 points each. And the Jimmy Butler stat line, a little bit of everything for him. Seven assists, I think it was six steals, five rebounds, 34 points. So he get it done in game one. It is the third straight series here in the postseason. Miami has gone on the road in one game one. Isn't it kind of crazy to think like they lost the first play-in game? You're right. I mean, they were on the brink of elimination. Right. I mean, but they're they're healthy. They're I'm telling you, Spolster can flat out coach, man. Can flat out coach. But what did we say yesterday? I think Mark and I, Kevin, I think you agree. We all said, watch Miami win game one and then lose in six. Eight and a half was just a ridiculous opening. I, I took Miami in the points. Spread. I don't yeah. know if you guys did. Uh, tonight, what is it? Is it five tonight? Is that the spread? Warriors over Lakers? Last I checked, it was five. It could have could have changed. Five and a half as the Nuggets. Did I say Warriors? Uh, as the Nuggets look to go up 2-0 on the Lakers. 8-30 tip tonight on ESPN. Everyone's telling me you guys are too young to remember Little Kings. I, they still make them, don't they? Again, I've never heard of it, so I, think, I don't know. I think that, that in a zero bar is probably is the same Is it a lager? What, what are we looking at here? What is it? Little Kings? Little I Kings believe beer? I believe it's a malt liquor. Cream ale? It's a malt cream ale. Thank you. Uh, Rockies over the Reds yesterday, 11-6. Good news is for the Reds, though, that they got to bring a bunch of Coors Light back because you have to get it in Colorado because it's the fresh <laughs> mountain water. Cardinals over the Brewers, 3-0, apropos for this conversation. Giants over the Phillies, 7-4 yesterday. It was the White Sox over the Guardians, 7-2. Cute Bella over the Angels, 3-1. And, unfortunately, once again, the Oakland Athletics for Kevin Bowen losing to Mark's Arizona Diamondbacks, 5-3. Thank you. Iowa Cubs, 5-4 winners over the Indianapolis Indians in international. 11.05, I think, 11.35, something like that. First pitch today over at Victory Field. Uh, Jake, today at IMS, noon to 6, right? Uh, noon to 6 is correct. Practice today and probably start to see a little bit more speed out of some of the cars as they, what we call trim out, get it set up for qualifying only because, as you had mentioned, the forecast tomorrow, a little more iffy. So got to take advantage of each opportunity you get to figure out where your car is today. It's going to be a great day out there. Little Kings is not available in Indianapolis. It's available in Ohio. That's not true. I'm looking at their website and it says Bottle Finder. It says not within 100 miles. Yeah, don't believe the website. (laughs) Don't believe the website of the I can tell you right now. Well, I can certainly tell you that it used to be uh, available over off Arlington Road. Back in the day. Back in the day, the key phrase. The nearest one is 87.4 miles away, Buckeye Beer and Wine on 301 East Elm Street in Union City, Ohio. Buckeye Beer and Wine. I'd literally (laughs) rather just drink sewer You know, the guy that runs it is actually that fellow that dresses like a Buckeye that goes to the Ohio State Mm -hmm. games. I thought he passed. Did he not? (laughs) No, he's still with us. He's he's big king. Does Graham Rahal own that place? (laughs) (laughs) Should we break? Is Pato Ward still asleep? I don't know. Tony Kanan's turned 200 laps in his Schwinn bike right now. How about Mickey's? You guys ever have Mickey's big Snoring. What? Yeah, I've heard of Mickey's, yeah. Okay. We'll be back on the other side. Are we going to Joel Erickson then? What are we doing? No, I don't know. One of my favorite drivers in the Indianapolis 500 of my childhood was Roberto Guerrero, who I thought was one of the flat-out most naturally gifted drivers to come to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He finished second, third, fourth, and second in his first four Indianapolis 500-mile races. That is the best first four race average for a driver since that time 
and the best to come close to that is the guy that now joins us on the Payless Liggers Hotline. He has an average finish of fourth over his first three so far Indianapolis 500-mile races, so with one more he could slide in with Roberto Guerrero. He probably would like to finish three spots higher, as a matter of fact. But a guy that I think is going to be a favorite to take the swig of milk, Pata Award joins us on the program. And by the way, you can meet Pata Award at the Crawfordsville Road Kroger one week from tonight or this afternoon from 4.30 until 6.30, one week from today, courtesy of Mission Foods. Pato, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How you doing? All right. Um, you know, I'm sure you know, right, when I say a guy that is considered a favorite because you have run up front in Indianapolis is there a danger or a risk in you getting too focused on that as opposed to just going the old proverbial one day at a time? Uh, no, man. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like it's something you just got to, I mean, not that you don't think about it, but it's definitely something that you just kind of have to put on the side and then just focus on, focus on your thing. Cause you're not going to be a favorite if you don't focus on your work. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's a long process. It definitely is. It's probably well, it is the longest one on the calendar, and um, and it's just yeah, take it day by day. Pato, when you look at yesterday, uh, first impressions of your own car, and just from a team standpoint, how yesterday went for you guys? I think it went it went well. I mean, we have a good baseline to work for, uh, to work from tomorrow. Uh, sorry, today. Um, you know, it's, you don't really know what programs guys are on, um, in all the traffic running. So we could have had newer tires and other guys, other guys could have had fresher tires than us. So you don't really get a, the cleanest of reads, but you get an idea of kind of where you're at. And I think we're, we're starting off, um, from a good baseline, you know, from what we had last year, and we just work on from there. You know, back in the day, Pato, Dario Franchitti is the name that I, I thought of yesterday. Let me explain why. Especially when he was with Andretti Autosport, Franchitti was always the practice workhorse guy. He'd go out and turn, you know, 200 laps over the course of uh, a session and kind of then give feedback to the different cars within the team. Yesterday, your newest teammate, Alexander Rossi, turned, I think, over 150 laps. How much of that was just for Alexander Rossi in that seven car, and how much of that was him going out looking up multiple things that then is transferred to you into Felix Rosenquist and Tony Kanaan? Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on, on what they find and what they don't find. Was when he When a guy goes out and turns that many laps, is it – I mean, are you aware, for example, of, hey, this is the game plan, this is which car of the team is going to be going out and turning the most today, you know, we're going to work off of that, or is it kind of every man for themselves until the end of the day debrief? Uh, every man for themselves until the end of the day debrief, and then so everybody starts with a plan, this is what, what they want to do, and then at the end of the day, we all circle back and we see what was good, what was not good, and then uh, a massive list for all the analysts to go over and and see if if what we're feeling and what we're if what we're saying should be or should be not matching with 
with what they think. We had uh, we talked to Alex Pillow the other day, Pato. Pato Award is our guest, by the way, from, of course, McLaren, Aero McLaren Racing. He will be in car number five. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We talked to Alex Pillow at the beginning of the week, and he was talking about how the battle that he had with Castro Nevis at the end of the race a couple years ago, he's watched it several times. You were involved in a pretty exciting finish with Marcus Erickson. Do you watch it, and can you learn from that? Uh, you can always learn. I think every day is an opportunity to learn something new. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't go back and do anything different. So all we need to all we need to do is get ourselves into that position again and and see if we can, uh, yeah, go one step better. As Jake said, Pato Ward with us right here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Six, fourth, and second is three Indianapolis five hundreds. Pato, have you watched uh, the Hundred Days to Indy series yet? I have, yeah. I've watched the first two episodes. I, I haven't seen the third one. Are you a fan? I am a fan. I think they're doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, I had a buddy of mine who texted me like halfway through. I guess it would have been episode two. Was that? I think that was when you were featured a, a, a oh, good yeah. amount. It goes, we are a we are a Pato household. That's how he referenced how his fanfare for an IndyCar driver has changed after watching that. Uh, how has the reception been? Or have you heard from fans specifically mention about you and, and maybe your mom and your sister? Yeah, I've, I've heard. Uh, I've got a lot of... Uh of lady fans that came up and, and they've expressed how much they enjoyed my mother and my sister on the show. How about that? People that, you know what the Pato? here's the thing. That's good because the whole idea of the show is to try to, and let me ask you this. The whole idea of the show is to try to expand the fan base for IndyCar. And, and I know when I go to Long Beach, for example, Pato. And a lot of the different tracks for last year when we were together at the Kroger, as we're going to be a week from today on Crawfordsville Road, you know, the number of fans for Pata Award there, and in particular, the number of fans from Mexico to me was overwhelming. Are you aware of it? Can you see how you represent as a gateway to a new fan base? Um, for sure, Long Beach and Long Beach has been my biggest market from from the start uh, obviously it's great to see that it just gets bigger and bigger um texas is now quite large um i think it's considering what i've been able to do with you know with the fan packages and just creating something very attractive to to the to the fans not just in mexico but for for my uh, my american friends um but you know, it's it's great to see uh, the fan base was there a few decades ago. It was, you know, still even a lot bigger than what it is now. And um, I feel like my job is to bring in new people. Um, we need new young fans, and I feel like that's been one of the hardest things to to kind of um, tap into. Um, I feel like I've accomplished something so far. Uh, in terms of growing that, but I think there's still a long way to go because the upside potential of the series is massive. We just we just need to we just need to keep pushing and, and really tap into that um, into that because ultimately they are the people that are going to continue watching IndyCar. Hey, I'm curious of this, Pato. You'd be a perfect person to ask right now because you know we caught you at the beginning of the day here, right? Like you're just getting underway. What is what is life like for a day of practice for an Indy 500 driver? I mean, like you're staying where, 
your your early morning consists of doing what once you get to the track your schedule is laid out how take me through from the time you wake up to the time your day's done um so we wake up and right now we're about to take a ride in uh tony suburban all uh, all four of us um, for IndyCar to get get content, and at nine we have have thirty minutes. Now, now, are you with them all right now? Yeah, I'm with them here. Okay, so so you're with Felix, you're with Rossi, and you're with Kanan, right? Yes. And you guys are all in one suburban. Uh, we are about to be. Okay, and, and and are they? Do you guys? Do they avoid the phone like the plague when they know you're doing a live radio program? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, we do media bullpen and then we're doing, I honestly, I don't even look at it cause there's so much, there's so much stuff that we have before it actually is driving the car, which is just, if you keep looking at it, it's just overwhelming. So I just kind of do it. And if I'm late to something, well, I'll expect a call or a text and then I'll head over. Pato, I know you and Kenny Moore have a pretty close relationship. If I'm not mistaken, was it Aaron Neesmith that you drove around in the two-seater from the Pacers uh, on the road so, course? So I rode him around in my in my 500 livery McLaren. Ooh. I didn't I didn't drive him around in the two-seater. They they don't let me drive that car. <laughs> what was uh what was his reaction? You know, obviously Kenny from a size standpoint a little bit different. What was Aaron Neesmith's reaction? Uh, I think he loved it. I mean, he was like, you know, I can. The guy could see everything because he's like six six or something. So he was like looking over the guy that was driving. Last now, last one for me, Pato. Um, I, again, I know it's just one practice day. I know you guys had the test back in late April. Uh, early gauge on, on what passing will be like compared to recent years for the five hundred. Uh, it'll be the same as it was last year. Are you a Spurs fan? You grew up Pata Award. Obviously, you were bo- you were born in Monterey, Mexico, correct? Yes. And then you grew up. You went to high school in San Antonio. So, are you a Spurs fan? Am I a Spurs fan? I grew up hearing a lot about him, uh, but I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not really up to date when in all the NBA stuff. I don't really watch. So they just got the number one pick in the draft, Pato, and they're going to get like the best player. And I think they'd rather have an Indy 500 win before they win another NBA title. So that's your responsibility. No pressure, right? I guess not. Okay, lastly, who drives in the Suburban right now? Uh, and I realize you guys probably have a driver, but if you did not and you had to select between Kanan, Rossi, Rosenquist, Pato Award, you're all four in the Suburban going into the Speedway. Which one's driving and who gets shotgun? Uh... The uh, the elderlies are probably going in the front. <laughs> Tony and Rossi. Uh-huh. So, so Pato Award in the back. And Felix Rosenquist told us that you were like a brother to him, Pato. So uh, pretty cool, the teamwork that you guys have together. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I uh, really, really enjoying all this, uh, you know, this whole process of the month. I feel like we're all uh, meshing really well. Pato, it's been great to see you at 100 Days to Indy. Um, I think a lot of fans have really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more on that front. Good luck the rest of this week, certainly next Sunday as well. And uh, thanks for the time this morning, man. I appreciate it, man. Look forward to it. Thank you. That's Pato Ward right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I still got that selfie with uh, him and Rosie from last year. At, uh, oh, yeah. She, she at was thrilled, right? Mm-hmm. She had that bottom lip right out there. He might win the race. One of, it is it is a very high possibility that the winner of this year's race is in that suburban. 
you know, it's kind of funny when you know, I brought up to you earlier, would you take Ganassi or take the field right now? And you went with the the field. I know next week we'll probably have more of your fellow colleagues from the radio network or, you know, the Kurt Cavins, the Kevin Lees of the world. I, I feel like, Jake, that would be a pretty split thought. I feel like you'd have some people say, give me Marcus Erickson, Alex Pelot, Scott Dixon, Takuma Sato. But when you just rattle off the four names you mentioned in that Suburban, it's like, that's a pretty strong quartet, to say the least. I mean, it's just, I'm telling you, it's really hard to predict. This year's race, and I know we say this every year, oh, there's any of 20 cars that go in the race. I don't know about that, but there are, I mean, between Pato, TK, Rossi, Rosenquist is going to be running up front for sure, right? And then... Sato, you forget Sato is now with Ganassi. Dixon, Polo is Polo may be the front runner, and then you can't rule out McLaughlin, Power or Newgarden. Any of those three, and that uh, Colton Herta. I mean, it's hard to overlook anybody from Andretti. A uh, Kyle Kirkwood maybe. So there's right there one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's twelve right there. Tomorrow, we'll maybe try and project what a Fast 12 could look like as we get into Fast Friday. Of course, tomorrow, Qual is coming up on Saturday, and we'll settle that first four rows and bump a car coming up on Sunday. All right, Joel A. Erickson, he's going to join us next here. By the way, Alexander Rossi is going to be on the show tomorrow, so we'll round out the week uh, with all of the Aero McLaren drivers that we've had on each day this week. So Rossi will be tomorrow, but we'll talk some Colts on the other side here. Kevin Aquari on a beautiful Thursday. Pato Award, that'll be up on the podcast. You can catch that here on the podcast. He, he sounded some... like he was at King's Island for a while there. Yeah, he did. I'm having a little bit of headset issues over here. <laughs> Shocking, right? <laughs> falling apart today, I think. Yeah, we, we are having a Kinda heck of a day. No wall. You want to bring Joel on, and hopefully I can hear him here in the next couple minutes. Joining us now on the Payless Sugars Hotline, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so amidst the smooth nature of which this operation's flying this morning. Joel A. Erickson's with the Indianapolis Star. We were talking about the uh, Colts earlier. Joel, this is a, a finely tuned machine that we've got going on here. <laughs> Joel, thanks for your patience this morning. Yeah, no no worries. No worries. Oh, boy. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a Are we getting punked here? Is that my headset or is that his phone? What are we doing? Wait, hold on. Does the printer work? Can we print? Can we, we reset with Joel? Oh, my God. Oh, Joel, we're going to reset. Hang you want to do that beer taste test right now? I feel oh like we should gosh. get some liquor in us. Unbelievable. Joel Erickson is going to hopefully join us here with a little bit of a better connection. I literally thought that was my headset. So you said we're reconnecting, Mark? What yeah, I'm, I'm calling him back. Pander. Fill time. <laughs> Again, uh, OTAs for the Colts will begin next week, each of the next three weeks. They'll be out on the a, field. I have a, a feeling we're going to be saved by the fact that... Three-day minicamp. We have the Union Construction Workers Luncheon at the Speedway that I'm doing yeah, uh, immediately uh-huh. following this. Kevin, you're going as well. That's probably going to spare us from the meeting we would otherwise be having, yeah, correct? Well, yeah, I don't know. We could be in a meeting from maybe the floor above us. Probably, uh, probably something about teamwork and or preparation. At the rate that this is going today. Hey, Joel, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good. Hopefully my phone's working right. Uh, loud, loud and clear. Um, Joel, we were talking a little bit earlier. You know, Gardner Minshew obviously met the media yesterday. 
this is an unfair question to ask, but I will. The Colts are going to be on the field 13 times here over the next four weeks. 13 11-on-11 sessions. 10 OTAs in a three-day minicamp. Do you think Anthony Richardson takes any first-team reps in those 13 sessions? I do. I do. Now, whether or not we, you and I see them is maybe a, a harder question, but I do think he's going to take some first-team reps as they install. Um, and I guess just to let everybody know, we'll be out there one day a week each of the next three weeks. Then we get to watch the entire mini camp. You want to throw a percentage on how many reps you think for Richardson here? Mm, I could see like I could see maybe a, a third. Um, you know, I, I that's think, a big number for me. I I think well, I I just can't, I'm just going off of even even Gardner said yesterday. You know, I think that you know what the best way to get better is by playing, and there's not a lot of stakes right now as far as getting ready for the season where you you feel like oh we have to make sure we have exactly the right personnel on uh, the way you would in training camp. I, I feel like you you give him some first-team reps, and uh, especially if you're doing – the other thing I'm thinking is, especially if you're doing what I assume to be uh, some of the RPO and and movement stuff, I think he's probably up there with John, Jonathan Taylor doing that because that's, that's not really Gardner's game, at least the way I remember it. We were talking about this earlier, Joel, and what your thought on it. I like Gardner Minshew because Gardner Minshew seems like number one. I think he's, you know, a pretty good player, but more importantly, he seems totally aware of. I don't know how you wouldn't be, but on board with what his role is going to be. I, this does not strike me as a kind of guy that's like, look, I'm here to, you know, we've seen this in the league. It is not uncommon, and I'm trying to think of who it was. It was like my job is not to prepare that player. Like my job is to be the it's best. Tannehill, right? I think that is right. Tannehill, yep. Uh, about Malik Willis. Like, I'm not, I don't need to prepare him. Gardner Minshew seems the polar opposite of that to me. This seems like a guy, Joel, that is very realistic and understanding as to the fact that his role goes beyond just getting out there when he's taking snaps and winning football games. Yeah, and um, it's kind of been refreshing that we've had that two years in a row now. When, when, uh, when Nick Foles got signed last year, I remember. He said, "He said, you know, my role as a backup is not to." He said, "Yes, you have to be ready to start, but my role is to support the starter." And Gardner kind of said some stuff along the same lines, and I just kind of appreciate that. Um, Gardner Minshew, though, it's kind of interesting that he's got that kind of perspective to me because he could make the case that he should still have a a chance to compete and maybe win and and get a chance to play in a starting role in the NFL. You know, he's still only 27. We saw him with the Jaguars. Obviously, he didn't start much with the Eagles, but he could make the case that, you know, there's I still have career ahead of me. I could still develop into something. And so for him to have that perspective on, on what his role is, I think I agree with you, Jake. It's, it's, it's a good thing to have. And I think it's just a good thing to have for Anthony Richardson um, in that room is somebody who is, is, a, is a quarterback who's going to, who's going to mentor him and going to help him out and, and not harbor whatever, you know, maybe he does harbor those aspirations of proving himself, but, but not make it to the point where it, it creates a problem for the, the team. He's Joel A. Erickson. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He's practiced wonderful patience with us here on this Thursday morning, so we appreciate that from Joel. Um, Joel, when we talk about Anthony Richardson playing, you know, I, 
I've heard a lot. I'm of the thinking, you play him, you know, no handcuffs, boom. But I, I hear people say, well, kind of ease him into it, you know, put him into those short yardage packages, red zone, short yardage, all of that, and, and just kind of slowly integrate him in. My argument against that would be, we know he does that well, or at least theoretically he should. I'd like to see him kind of get the baptism by fire and the things that he needs to be tested in. Um should that be some of the thinking, or do you think it's kind of wise to, you know, treat him a little bit of a, all right, let's get him in the things that he's used to first and then throw more on his plate? Maybe don't start him till the midway point of the season. Well, I think, I think you can kind of marry, I think you can kind of marry the two in probably the way you're thinking of it, where you can, if, if you start him and you play him, you're not going to be asking him to make like Philip Rivers level checks. Um, or like reach into parts of a playbook at the line of scrimmage that they haven't even discussed that week and come up with the right play. You're not going to be expecting him to do that kind of thing. You're going to be designing an offense that gives him concepts and stuff that he's familiar with. That's kind of what, how Steichen has been uh, so successful with younger quarterbacks in the past. But that doesn't mean that you only run him or you only give him um, that kind of thing. You, you can give him stuff he's comfortable with and allow him to read defenses and see what NFL teams are doing against him with stuff he's comfortable with and throw it. Which, to me, if you're bringing him in, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of the same mind as you. If the goal is we want to play him and give him more experience, but they're just having him do short yardage uh, or zone read stuff with, with Taylor, they're not having him throw much and, and all that stuff. I don't know that that's the kind of experience that, that we've heard them talk about here over the last month or so in terms of this guy needs to play to, to get better. Joel, you grew up in Wisconsin, right? Correct. So, I mean, so you, I'm not saying that you're like some big drinker. I don't know. That's unfair of me to say, but <laughs> but you know beers, right? I mean, spotted cows, yeah. big there. Uh, did you guys yeah. ever have Little Kings when you were a kid? Have you heard a Little – not when you were oh, a kid, geez. when you were in college. Are, are you familiar <laughs> with Little Kings? I'm not. I'm not. I went to, I went to college in Missouri. Thank so. you, Joel. Yeah, <laughs> but I, but I and Joel. Uh, what am I, Fred Flintstone here? I I can't be the only one. <laughs> you what and about JMV reminiscing about old beers? Yeah. What about Mickey's Big Mouth? You ever heard of Mickey's Big Mouth? No. Stroh's. No. Uh, what was that last one? Stroh's. Yeah, that one I've heard of. Okay. Yeah, Low and Brow. Stroh's for sure. Hams. Uh, Hams for sure. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Hams, that might be a good carb day beer for me. All right, Joel, last one for me. Uh, we're now kind of two months into the roster building part of the offseason. It's a question we've asked Chris Bauer each of the last few years. You know, do, do things need to change from a approach, um, whether it's free agency or the draft? So I guess when you isolate those two, what, if any, major changes did you see and how Ballard has handled free agency and how he handled the draft? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure that we saw a ton of uh, a ton of change. Other than other than I think the Richardson pick is the opposite of the way they've handled the quarterback position. Um, because you know that they signed Matt Gay, I think that that was maybe always a possibility. He's he's willing to because because signing a, a kicker for top dollar is not really making that big of a cap investment. Uh, in terms of what you would sign another free agent to. The value there is probably closer to what he actually likes. But but Richardson is a swing. And that's what he's been criticized for 
fairly criticized for not necessarily doing it. The quarterback position, uh, quarterback position is he's taken, you know, what's come to him in terms of the veteran route. He didn't go get Matt Stafford. He didn't go get Russell Wilson. He didn't trade up for Justin Herbert or keep the pick or something to, to go get one of the rookie quarterbacks. He hasn't taken the big swing. Well, Richardson is a big swing, inevitably. That's, that's what he is because of the nature of how much he's played and, and sort of his track record. He has all the physical tools, and, and Ballard said we drafted him for what we think he could be, not what he is right now. I mean, that's, that's a big swing where you know uh, you might – there's a chance it could blow up on you. That, I think, is the biggest difference is, is at the quarterback position, they went for it. And, I mean, they didn't quite go for it in terms of trading up, but the pick itself, they, they're, they're going for the ceiling. Schlitz? You ever had Schlitz? Yes, I have had Schlitz. Yep. Goodness. This from Matt. I've had Little King several times. It's the height of meh. <laughs> so it's the zero bar of beer. And this what the from, hell are you guys uh, talking about? How long have you guys Sean. been communists? Sean says, I've had Little Kings. They stink. Legit awful. Come in a little small green bottle, which yes, is kind of cool. Of course. They're Little Kings. That's the point. <laughs> Joel, we're about accountability here. Today's been one of our more mediocre shows, particularly in the, the last least. hour. So, hand raised. We appreciate you being patient with us, though. Yeah, no, it worked out. It worked out just fine. Thanks for having me on, guys. And I hope the ankle feels better. You know what helps a sore ankle? Joel Erickson, a big, big ankle sprain in softball the other night. Little Kings. Reggie Wayne looked at him like, in my Whoa, opinion, man. that sucked. Yeah, that wasn't wasn't one of your best. Reggie Wayne gave him a look yesterday like, man, you're struggling to move around. I think we've had some uh, softball media injuries, if I'm not mistaken. I think Mike Wells and Chris Hagan both fell into that. Both. I, I can't believe... Blatt's? Wells, I believe, was a torn Achilles. Have you guys had Blatt's? Yes. You have had Blatt's? Uh-huh. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. We three Fall little City. kings. Fall City? Are we talking fever on the other side, Mark? Yep. Fever's opening night tomorrow Can I ask night. Her if she's had little kings. Christy Sides, the head coach of the Fever, they've been pretty active. I saw that they cut the 13th overall pick. You want to ask about that? Should there be more teams in the WNBA or more maybe more players on a roster? Like, can you imagine the first pick of the second round being cut in the NFL? You know, there was not an intramural basketball team at North Central High School that was not called every year. There was at least one called Little Kings every year. Oh, you guys drinking at that age? Well, no, a little short guys. Oh, jeez. I think Mike Byron was on the Little Kings. Oh, uh, yeah. Farkas's neighbor. You were talking about In my about opinion, earlier. that sucked. No, right, Farkas We'll was be on back the eight talking ballers. fever. The eight ballers. Jeez. Dear <laughs> Lord. Oh. Jake, quite a busy day tomorrow around the city of Indianapolis. Of course, Fast Friday over at IMS, weather permitting. Uh, here downtown, it's going to be Paint the Town Red Day in support of the fever. Opening up their 2023 season over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse against the Connecticut Sun. That will be a 7 o'clock tip. And to talk more about that, their new head coach, Christy Sides, joins us. You heard her on with us back when she was hired a few months ago. Coach, good Thursday morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. Happy to be on the show. Got some exciting stuff going on tomorrow. I was going to say, you're, uh, I guess... What will be your emotions tonight when you go to bed thinking about the start of kind of this this new era and, and what I think is kind of an energizing time for the franchise? Yeah, well, you said it. Go to bed. I don't even know if that'll happen, right? Um, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of things that are just flowing through your head at this moment. With you know, did you do this? Did you get this in? What about this? Oh, we need to do this in the morning at shoot around. So, 
you know, just some some exciting, exciting times trying to keep the focus. Um, I've got great people around me. Um, I had one just now say, hey, coach, look, whatever goes on tomorrow, like just stop for a second, look around at all the fans that are here, and uh, let, and just enjoy that. Like take that in. So really trying to, to figure out how to do that because that's not my personality, but I'm sure going to try to take a step back and enjoy this atmosphere that we're going to create tomorrow. There was obviously, you know, an overhaul of the roster for the most part with the number of picks in particular that the fever that you guys were able to have and then of course having you know Aliyah Boston with the number one pick did you as a new coach within the franchise does your system go based upon the players that were selected or were the players selected based upon your system no we 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 chose our players and the ones that we thought would that would fit best here. No question. I think that sometimes, you know, you might have an outstanding talent and then you might have someone that might be just a little bit, um, maybe not as skilled, but have, has an upside to them. And one could be someone that you maybe think, okay, are they good enough to deal with what you're going to have to deal with? Or, or, they, or is it going to be somebody that's going to come in and embrace the new culture and, and, you know, be a part of a standard. And that that's the easy choice for me right now, trying to get this, um, you know, this team reloaded and back to where it needs to be. Uh, Christy Sides is with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Again, the Fever and the Sun. Uh, Fever going to get their season underway tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Uh, Coach, your uh, in-person impressions of Aaliyah Boston. We had her on right after you guys drafted her. Extremely impressive off the floor. Obviously, her resume in college kind of speaks for itself. Uh, what have you thought of her so far as a pro? Oh my gosh, hit, hit a home run, man. Like we hit a home run, not only as a going to be a great basketball player, but my gosh, like just the human, the person that she is, she brings the same intensity, the same um, attention to detail, wants to get better every single day. She's one of the most respectful human beings I've been around. She has just, um, she's just been, it's just great to come to work every day and know Aaliyah Boston is going to be there with you on your team. What do you see the role for Grace Berger in her rookie season? Yeah, Grace, man, Grace came in and has worked probably as hard as I've seen a rookie come in and work from day one. Um, she actually came in early, uh, a week early than everyone else, put in work with my coaches. Um, she's gotten better since day one. It's just a big jump. You know, until you're in it, you don't realize that this is the best league in the world, and there's 12 spots, right? So, you know, she had to learn the different pace, speed, quickness, strength of people that are going to be guarded. She's going to be guarded by six foot, six foot one, you know, point guards at times, but she spent time with every coach. She, she just picks their brains. She's like a sponge. And, and on top of that, Grace Berg is another one that I will get up and go to work with every day. You know, Coach, one of the things that's fascinating to me, Christy Sides, the head coach of the Indiana Fevers, our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. One of the things to me that is fascinating is when you're molding a team together that you whenever I watch NBA or WNBA games I look out there and I think to myself 95% of the players on this floor are the best player in the history of their high school there are people that are still talking about like when they played with them in rec ball when they were 14 but yet only one or two can be the best player on their team or the leader of their team at the professional level, meaning at some point everyone has to conform towards a role that they may not have previously had. Is it difficult to determine when players come in which ones are going to most accept that and which are going to have the hardest time adjusting to it? 
Yeah, I think that goes back to the earlier question just about, you know, are, are you bringing in people that, you know, fit your style or just the player? And we had actually our role meeting yesterday with the players once we, um, you know, cut it down and got to our, the 12 players and met with each one of them individually. We had already decided, like, as a coaching staff, spent time, like, what are three things that these players need to do? Each player needs to do for us to have a, a chance to win. And so that makes it very simple when you're, you know, showing video to a player. Hey, Kelsey Mitchell, here's what we asked you to do. One, two, three, look at this. Look at, you know, and so you're able to, like, they, there's no question. Like, I don't need some folks to do things that they just aren't, you know, really skilled at. And that's when you're picking your team. You've got to have great rebounders. You've got to have great playmakers. You've got to have great shooters. Um, and you also have to have great defenders. And so we think we've put together 12 players that fit um, into those roles, just, you know, the, the map and the puzzle that we're trying to, to put together, um, it, it really all fit. And they had a, they really appreciated the meeting um, and, and, and walked out of there and knew exactly what we need from each of them. Coach, do you watch Ted Lasso at all? Um, yeah, a little bit. Not, not as probably as much as uh, as some. Um, because here's what I love about that show. For those that are unfamiliar, Ted Lasso, the show, and it's about a soccer coach, it, it, but it's about the personalities, right? And it's about the people within the team itself. And there are a couple of epiphanal moments where rivals within the same roster bond together for the cause, right? Mm-hmm. How long does that take? How long does it take for a team, for you as a coach, to truly look at a team and say, and maybe it's an ongoing pursuit that has no dest- you know, no finish, but to look at it and say, okay, we are totally together. Yeah. Yeah, that's a process, and that can take longer than you, than you hope. Um, I will say this, guys. We had our first team meeting right when training camp started, and we kind of had a um, just a, a bonding moment to start before we even got into even you know saying who we were or, or speaking about our personal and backgrounds and we kind of had a pour in moment where you were you were given the opportunity to to you know get rid of some dirt or some something that you had inside of you as it related to being here maybe that's a past player coach and we actually like. We had moments where people got emotional, and so for me, sitting back watching that meeting, that doesn't normally happen um, that fast. So for us to be having some really um, heartfelt moments, people pouring their hearts um, that early, they, that showed me they were willing to you know pour in or give in to this team in whatever way necessary. So you know I, we're going to have more of those, but the way it started that first practice, that first meeting, that first pra- it showed in the first practice and it showed in the second practice, and so that's a it's, it's incredible when it happens to be part of those moments so that was great for us and and we keep moving in the in in the same direction with how things are playing out now that we've got our 12 coach correct me if i'm wrong this is the first time that you have been a head coach yes sir first time first time okay (laughs) what is the one thing that has come across your desk in the last few months that you thought to yourself what in the hell is like i never (laughs) even imagined this would be something that i'd be dealing with yeah, um, well, I, I, um, I had to go on the war path to get us a washing machine. That was one. That was, um, we needed a, a new washing machine. And I'm like, what? We have to, fi- what? What are we doing? Like, you need to, you need to go talk to somebody for a washing machine. That was interesting. Um, there's been a lot of those moments, but it's part of the role. It's part of the job. And 
right now everyone is just trying to do exactly what you know that what i want or what they think i want and they want to be clear where we don't have to go and clean it up so i'll take all of them from washing machines to who's picking up what towel and i'll, I'll handle it it's fine the more you can do right okay uh That's last fine. thing from me i'm watching game one of the eastern conference finals last night miami has this you know really historic third quarter and coming back and beating yeah. boston and what you hear is halftime adjustments halftime adjustments this and that so the question i have is how real or halftime adjustments like do you just not adjust in the second quarter or the third quarter like I, I i always hear this halftime adjustments thing and i get that there's a period of time you're obviously together with your coaching staff okay. but i guess how real are those adjustments in intermission yeah halftime adjustments i mean that's the easy one talked about but there's so many that are going on like you said like throughout the game like the other night in in our our game against dallas i mean i hear my coaches there's certain things that they're doing. We couldn't stop it. They made the, They said, hey, let's do this. I said, go make the adjustment. I sent Jesse Miller to the huddle. He was able to make the adjustment, and it didn't hurt us anymore. So that, it's only because you have a little bit more time, but you're making those adjustments throughout the game or you're behind. So that's just, you know, that's what gives you a little more time to talk about it, maybe clean up a few other things. Now, since we talked to you, Coach, when you were hired, Christy Sides, our guest, the head coach of the Indiana Fever, you are a native of Louisiana. We talked about that in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You played at Louisiana mm-hmm. Tech after, I believe, starting at Ole Miss. Um, yep. Have you, you – enough time has passed now, I need to know. Have you been to Yats yet on college for the Cajun food? I have not, I'm, but I'm writing it down. I, I forgot that's where I need to head. I, you are right. I am – I've got to get there. My family Isn't there one on Mass Ave, too? There tonight. I think there is one on Mass Ave also, yeah. I've well, been a I, I just for you downtown. Know, I just need to know how authentic it is. We, we also okay. were talking earlier, and I don't even know if this is available in Louisiana. Uh, have you ever had Little Kings, the, the beer Little Kings? I have not had Little Kings, no. Thank you, Coach. Gosh, dear <laughs> Lord. I, I don't know and why I, Jake asked you that, well, Coach. Is it something I need to, to, to try? No, not at all. I, I mean, like... <laughs> If you're 22, probably. Yeah. I, what about okay. get, if you guys okay. win the title? Maybe dump it on, <laughs> dump it on your fellow coaching staff. I will, I, I'm telling you right now, Coach. If the Fever win the WNBA title, I will slam a little Kings right here live on the radio in celebration. I would love that. Hell I yeah! Would absolutely love that. When we win that title, man, I'm a hold to do it. <laughs> Hell yeah, Coach. Good luck tomorrow night. I'm sure a ton of emotions for you over the next 36 hours thinking about this moment as a first time head coach. So soak it in. Hope it's a great crowd for you, and uh, we'll certainly be tuning in. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Hey, get some more people out. Talk about limited tickets, but it's going to be fun. And go Fever. Tickets available. Fever.com. That's Christy Sides right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Paint the town red tomorrow for opening night. It does seem like, Jake, in kind of an interesting, I guess, time frame, if you will, the Pacers and the Fever and the Colts are all kind of starting their own race right now. The Colts, or the, should say the Pacers are, you know, a little bit into their race, but... They all have had some big totally. resets. Yeah. Obviously, they all have reached the pinnacle of their respective sport. The Pacers, you know, not maybe at the top of the mountain, but you know, ha- have made some deep, deep runs. And now all three of them really are um, you know, kind of back to this rebuild. You know, I just go back to Kevin. It, it really is interesting to me. I think about you know you're a little bit different because you went to Cathedral, which has had, but I mean, even in Cathedral. So we'll take Cathedral from a football standpoint. Who is the biggest icon in Cathedral High School football history? And I don't mean during the time that they were at Cathedral, but in terms of where their career took them. Mark Clayton? Yeah, I would say him. Uh, Matthias Kiwanuko would probably be the other one as a Super Bowl winner. 
So, so those two guys, Clayton, I mean, who was a great... Honestly, Terry McLaurin could be on his way there. Yeah, Terry McLaurin's a, a really good one. Um, and Clayton was an elite-level player. And Matthias Kiwanuka was, you know, he was a rotational guy for the New York Giants, right? And obviously a very good player. Super Bowl winner. Um, right. And, but, you know, even with that, like, maybe Clayton is a bad example, but Kiwanuka, like, if you were a New York Giants fan... Matthias Kiwanuka was just, you know, one of the guys on their roster, right? It's not like people are wearing Kiwanuka jerseys all around New York, et cetera. And yet, at a football-rich school like Cathedral, he's in the upper quartile of upper quartiles. And that's rare air. You know, at at North Central... That's rare air. Thank you. You know, Lars Tate is still a legendary name amongst the people my age at North Central High School... And he played like two years in the NFL and I think maybe had 700 yards rushing in one season. And yet he is still like a larger-than-life figure. My point being, it is amazing when you go to, you know, guys that we talk about as as fringe players. You know, Andrew Nimhard. There are probably two guys that are still sitting around talking about the legend of Andrew Nimhard at whatever high school he came out of. Or O'Shea Brissett. Or guys that are – so you can only imagine – the people that went to school with i mean eric gordon is one of the best high school players ever to come out of the state of indiana and i know that i undersell him a little bit but in the nba i think of gordon as slightly better than just a guy he's he's a nice rotational piece he's not i think that's selling him a little short i mean he's a good player but he's never been like a front line he's never made an all-star game you know what i mean like he's he's a good player he's a starting caliber player in the nba but then you wonder just how good and how legendary the stories must be for people that went to school with LeBron James or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? I mean, good Lord. Or Mr. Webb and Yama. I mean, you know, Odin and Conley, I remember at one point figuring out, this was like 10 years ago, I figured out if it had been a graduating class of like 600 kids that the average salary for the 2006 graduates of Lawrence North High School was like 52 grand a year and I had no idea what anybody other than Odin and Conley made. That was as if the other 698 did not make a dollar. They made enough to make the average salary at that for the entire graduating class. I mean, Conley's making 38 million a year. I mean, hell, still he's making a huge chunk. I know. Yeah. Did Greg Oden get promoted on Butler's staff? Didn't Butler lose one of their assistants go to Army? I thought Oden was rumored to be, like, moving up. They had him and John Diebler, right? Kind of in those, like, director, yeah. director of basketball operations. Or God, Butler's had so much turnover from a basketball standpoint. You talk still about still as director of basketball operations. Oden? Mm-hmm. What do they list Diebler as? Uh, give me a sec. Because one of their assistants went to Army to become their their head coach there. But yeah, tons and tons of transfer portal turnover I for Thad Mata going into year two. You guys have never two. had Little Kings. I, that, that just you, how have it. you never heard of Little Kings? That's it. Not tasting. Well, it was around when I was thing. a child. I wasn't probably like searching the beer yeah. aisle. Like, what's this Three Kings, Dad? Tried not to go down the Little liquor Kings. aisle until Little Kings. Little Kings, Three Kings. A certain age. I, I I get it, but like you get it, but you don't. I've never let me let me let me let me. Why don't you go find it and bring it in, Mark? Let me let me fill you guys. What's Dealer's title? Hold on. 
I'm looking right now. I take a statin every night. Director of recruiting. I, I'm getting to the age now where I get up at like four in the morning to use the restroom. It was I, about three thirty this morning. Max had a cough. Next thing you know, my bladder was re- <laughs> reacting. It dawned on me the other day that it's been over thirty years since I was in high school, right? And and yet I've never felt more old than this morning's epiphany that I do a radio show with two people who have never heard of Little Kings. I mean, I get the fact that you guys might not be as familiar with the Jetsons. I fine. You I know can what the Jetsons are. The Jetsons, hell yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you didn't know Cheers, so I mean, you know, no, I'm trying Cheers, to tread lightly. Never watched it. Um, but Little Kings, to me, it's like an American, a, a slice of Americana. It's it, it would be like either of you saying you've never heard of Hot Sam Pretzels. What? Um, <laughs> Orange Julius? You familiar I've with Orange Julius? Yeah, that Camelot was un- that Records. Was underwhelming. Merry Go Round. I've been on a merry-go-round. You ever gone to the no, 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 the store merry-go-round? Oh no. What about Spencer Gifts? Never tried Spencer to sneak Gifts, to the back yeah. for a Heather Locklear poster glimpse at Spencer Gifts. If you're looking for a fun event, Monday night right here <laughs> in our lobby. Ed Carpenter, Tales from the Track. Ed Carpenter and Hammer and Nigel, six to eight p.m. You can Head over to tickets. Chess King and get yourself a nice wardrobe for Tales from the Track. WIBC.com. That includes dinner, drink, door prize, registration for door prizes, Q and A with Ed, and a meet and greet. With photo. Ed Carpenter, pretty good day, right? Uh, from a no-toe standpoint, qualifying speed has been kind of the norm for them, right? Yeah, there's no doubt those cars are going to be fast. Renus VK, in particular, yesterday, busy day, and he had the fastest non-toe speed, meaning um, replicating what it's like to do a qualifying run. After so. the uh, Ed Carpenter event, you can go meet Jake in the alley of the building, and he'll talk, reminisce about old beers and toys. <laughs> I'm just saying. Whoa, <laughs> Should we like, sneak in the backside of the Conrad here? That's one of Spencer Gifts. Yeah, yeah. well, head over to... <laughs> Head over to Circle Center and check out Casual Corner. See if you want to get yourself a nice, a nice Argyle sweater for your mom. Next five people to come out here, go to Crown Hill with me. I'm going to give you a tour. <laughs> Not a lot of I occupancy do that over there at Crown Hill. Do you know or, that uh, yesterday... <laughs> uh, Circle Center. Do you know yesterday they asked me if I would be willing to voice, like a voice track, for the shuttles at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? And I don't know, to be honest with you, if I've ever been more flattered about something oh, in my life. That's like, I think Larry Overton's the voiceover at Lucas Oil. Exactly. Like yeah. Doing that at IMS would be the coolest thing ever. So I do do some of those for Crown Hill on a walking tour mm-hmm. that you can do on your app, Mark. So thank you. You don't even need me to be with you in order for me to tour you around Crown Hill. Please keep your hands and arms inside. <laughs> Ten years ago today, I'd say one of the cooler images I've ever seen, and, and honestly, probably one of the better moments this franchise has had in quite some time. Uh, the Roy Hibbert block on Carmelo Anthony. The Pacer logo. That 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 hand against with the ball against the glass was the, literally the Pacers logo, right? You know, when you think about it and watching that, or seeing that picture, I think it was Matt Krieger. At the time, I think he was with the star. Such a great photo. Like, Hibbert's hand is bent backwards to the point of like, he's almost like, yeah. it's like he's raising the roof. And how yeah. he was able to have the moment. You would think Carmelo would have had the momentum there as driving to the basket to be able to kind of, the ball would just roll over Roy's hand and into the hoop there. Um, but that's what sent the Pacers to their Eastern Conference Finals. Scotty Johnson just walked in, which means it's time for the pop quiz, but we'll ask him, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. Well, you, you were fact. talking to totally different age groups here. Yeah. You guys are in the same wheelhouse. Scotty, how old are you, if you don't mind? 
58. I'll bet Scotty's never had one. Scotty is 58. Mark, your age? 37. And I will be 34 in September. Scotty, have you heard of Little Kings? I've had Little Kings. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? You guys are Scotty's in, in their kings. 50s. I haven't had one since 1986. There you go. <laughs> Scotty said well, he hasn't had one since then. 86. Mark was no, just wait. born. I was still three years away from seeing the earth. I'm just telling you. They're still around. Pair of Indy 500 tickets. Ohio. That's where you can get them. No. Yeah. We are giving away here on the Pop Quiz. So give us a call, 317-239-1070. Again, wall-to-wall coverage all week long here on The Fan. We're each show giving away a pair of tickets, I believe, online. There's a contest as well for 500 tickets. Uh, track updates beginning at noon today? Correct. Noon until 6 practice Noon today. until 6 activity over there at IMS. Before we get to that Pop Quiz, let's do a morning check down. We've had, like to join of, me. we've had wall-to-wall coverage of Little Kings today. Uh, unbelievable. Anybody wants to join me later today for some salted fries at Daltz? I'll buy some low and browse afterwards. Uh, Heat 123, Celtics 116 last night. We just talked about the halftime adjustments for Miami. Clearly something clicked. 46 points in the third quarter last night for the Heat. Jimmy Butler, 34 points, 7 assists, 6 steals, and 5 rebounds. Uh, they had three undrafted dudes score 15 points. Just such a heat victory for them. Jake, when you watch them, you forget at times they're missing two of their top six scores. I mean, what? How many? How how far do you have to go down their scoring list yesterday to find a guy that was drafted in the first round? Wasn't Jimmy Butler a second rounder? Well, I think Bam Bam was late lottery, right? Well, Bam, yeah, for sure is there, and he's a big part of what they do. But Jimmy Butler was the 30th overall pick. So he was the first? Yeah, he's a late, very last, the last first last round. Pick I don't know why I was round. thinking he was second round. My bad. Yeah, Bam Adebayo. Obviously, the Kyle Lowry acquisition's been big. But still, I mean, the undrafted guys are so much a part of their makeup. So they go up 1-0. It's the third straight time here in the playoffs. They have won game one on the road. Uh, tonight, it will be the Lakers and the Warriors. So I'm on the island here at the Lakers. You guys both, or I keep on saying Warriors. Lakers and Nuggets. You guys are both going to Denver? I, I do think Denver's going to go up 2 nothing. yeah. Mm-hmm. I still think the Lakers would win the series because I think we're getting Lakers-Celtics in Ooh. the finals. But... So you, you really? go in Lakers four in a row? Or Party like it's 1987. I think that series goes seven. Interesting. I would love that from an entertainment standpoint. So again, 8.30 tip tonight from Denver. Oh, hold on. I got distracted. Mark, what are we doing here? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, the Rockies over the, the Reds already. yesterday, 11-6. This has been a rough day, has it not? Cardinals over the Brewers, 3-0. It was the Giants over the Phillies, 7-4 yesterday in Major League Baseball. Astros over the Cubs, 7-6. Cute fella over the Angels, 3-1. Indianapolis Indians on the short end. Iowa Cubs beat them, 5-4. We mentioned it a little little bit ago. Over the track today, noon to 6. Potentially some rain in the forecast tomorrow, so I would assume the track activity is going to be pretty rampant today. Jake, I saw over 3,000 laps turned yesterday. I'm guessing that's a big number. It sounds like a big number. Yeah, it was a big number. Usually, um, that's on a day like yesterday, there were cars on the track essentially the entire time. Only five cautions, all five for track inspection. Graham Rahal had a slight brush with the wall, but nothing major. That was early in the session. So clean and green, just the way you like to see it. And I would anticipate we will see plenty more of that today. What about Olympia? You guys have read Olympia? No, but I've heard it's a beautiful place. Um, Olympia Fields? Yeah, I love to play that golf course. 
Uh, the speed chart from yesterday in order. Takuma Sato, Scott Dixon, Santino Ferrucci, Alex Pelot, Scott McLaughlin. That's your top five. Three of the five right there. Chip Ganassi, Colton Herta, six. Marcus Erickson, so the four Ganassi cars. All in the top seven. Ryan hunter Ray at eight. Joseph Newgarden, nine. Marco Andretti. At 10, Jake Pottle Ward and his Aero McLaren teammates were all four of them in the back half of the speed charts, but Pato didn't seem to be too wor- Granted, he wasn't worried about too much with us earlier. Um, he, he didn't was, seem to be... Uh, he he was more focused on track than in the interview. How's that? He didn't seem to be too worried, though, about their day yesterday. No, I think that it's hard to know what they were looking at, but you know, Will Power said afterwards, listen, very few people would have been going with anything that resembles any sort of actual speed in terms of straight line speed. And, you know, Sato himself said, look, any of the big speeds you see are going to be with a toe. So probably just figuring out how their car runs with other cars. And I think today, as we move into tomorrow, forecast, as you said, tomorrow, a little bit more questionable. But I think we'll probably start getting a better idea of who has actual speeds later today today again supposed to be beautiful out there both jake and i will be out there here in a bit uh all right pop quiz time it has arrived mercifully i'm waiting for 10 o'clock more than anything this is i don't think i think unarguably this has been one of our worst shows yeah no i there's no doubt Mm -hmm. that was determined by like 8 15 yeah, so apologies on this front. Thank you for sticking with I us. I even got some sleep last night. Uh, a pair of tickets to the Indy 500 up for grabs. That's Pop quiz is, is next. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Kevin, open disclaimer for you. I think I figured it out. The reason that today's show's been a bit off. Can we agree that today's show's been a bit Boy, off? You sound like our PR rep saying that. That's a nice compliment. <laughs> Do you work for John Morant? It's just an off day. <laughs> the reason I think our show's been a bit off is because you are going to the luncheon for the union construction workers of Indiana, by the way. Um, skilled on principle and union by choice. I'll be throwing rolls at you from table 22. Well, I... It involves public speaking, and I get so nervous of that. And then I have another one tonight, and I get so nervous in public speaking that it throws my whole day off. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I am actually with you on the nervous front. I can't tell you how many people came up to me before my brother's wedding. They're like, "Oh, best man speech. You do this for a living." I'm like, "When have I ever talked about my brother and how much I love him and how happy I am for him in a five to ten minute setting in front of hundreds of people?" Totally different animal. I'm looking at you, Mark, and Scotty. Yeah, totally different animal. That is exactly correct. Yeah, I get I get super nervous in those settings without question. Uh, we do have a Grand Marshal for the 500. Stephanie Beatrice. I think it's Beatrice, right? Beatrice. Uh, not two not point... the one that was on Mario Andretti's car in 1986. but She's got 2.4 million followers on Instagram. She's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the Andy Samberg comedy, and then she is the voice of Mirabelle in Encanto that my daughters So I've definitely heard daily. the voice is what you're saying. Yes, so there you go. Uh, star of Peacock's Twisted Metal. As we've mentioned before, with NBC broadcasting the 500, typically there's an NBC and now Peacock flair to some of these announcements. Jake, if I'm looking at this correctly, the Grand Marshal gives the command for drivers to report to their cars and then has a presence in the parade? I believe that's correct. 
and will walk the Indy 500 red carpet. So we still need green flag and pace car driver. I think you're on to something. Pace car driver, you had mentioned Shane Steichen. I'm going Steichen or Halliburton. I think Steichen makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think Halliburton, you capitalize on more there. Think so? I mean, I get the NFL's king, but, I mean, what's Shane Steichen done so far? He's not Jeff Saturday? I was going to say, Steichen, similar to, like, Anthony Richardson, doesn't have a resume yet. So, Halliburton does. I well, more people more nationally would know who Halliburton is for sure. Or, yeah, or, I go, or find I go him. Halliburton. Okay. I but that's Yeah, that's just me. Uh, all right. Maybe it's Jeff Saturday. Maybe the pop quiz will save us here. Um, I'm looking at it. This is extremely doable. They're always doable. Extremely. And, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> All right, Jake, number one through eight. Uh, I will go with number three. Number three, Corey. Corey. Hey. Yes, sir. Corey, one of my favorite humans, Corey Zadonis. He was actually the friend of mine who I, I told Pato Award, texted me during the 100 Days to Indy and says, we're a Pato household now after watching Pato Award. Corey, do you have a favorite driver in the Indianapolis 500? Uh, I'm going to go Joseph Newgarden this year. I really want to see him do it. Okay. Is it just kind of his time is now, or is there any other connection there? His time's now. I think he's ready for it. Last year, I like the trifecta of, of hitting all three courses, and I just think he's a good good driver. He's okay. ready for it. Corey, clearly you follow the sport a little bit. I'm going to ask you a few rapid-fire Indy 500 questions about you first. You ready? Yeah. Uh, how old a fellow are you, Corey? Absolutely. I am 32. 32-year-old Corey, okay. Oh. Uh, this year will be what numbered Indy 500 for you to attend? Should you? Well, you're going now because you get tickets. So, um, what number would this be for you? Probably 25. I was pushing a stroller around the infield back in the day. Wow. Wow. Good for you, Corey. Okay. Um, yeah. Corey, uh, yes or no, you have heard of Little Kings. Oh, jeez. <laughs> heard the conversation. I have not. Thank you, Corey. How long have you been a communist? Corey, I'm going to... Corey, uh, shoot me a message and I'll buy you a beer out of the <laughs> Speedway right. here this week. I actually have your number. You you gave out your number one time, Kevin, so I've you, got your number. Corey, you buy also, me, Corey? <laughs> I'll buy you some I little cakes. Corey, how many nights have you spent in the Coke lot in your 25 Indy 500s? Oh, man. I, I, I went to IUPUI, so I spent plenty of nights, uh, college days, back in the Coke <laughs> and lot. And you've never heard of Little Kings? No, I have not. Something doesn't add up. Okay, last one, Corey. Um, <laughs> the first 500 that you can recall being in person, who was the winner? Man, that's a good question. Uh, it was probably Elio, okay. early early 2000s, one of those. Gotcha. Okay. I think it was right. Lazier for me. 96? Yeah. Would you like, Corey, for myself, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Let's go, Jake. All right, here we go, Corey. The Heat beat the Celtics to take a one nothing lead in the Eastern Conference Finals, of course, last night. The Heat are just the fifth team in NBA history to win game one on the road in each of their first three playoff series in the same season. Name the last team to do this. Was it, in fact, the Heat, the New York Knicks, the Houston Rockets, or the Atlanta Hawks? Hmm. Think about a team that was. How about this? This team's former owner also owns a Montana Grill. <laughs> I always thought um, Nate McMillan was a decent coach. Agreed. Um, I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the Heat. Okay. 
One more guess, Corey. Here, here's a hint. Here's a hint for you. Ah! Yeah. There's a hint. That was your uh, hint. The Hawks. Let's go with the Hawks. Okay. Number two here, Corey. 90 years ago today, Major League Baseball announced the first All-Star game would take place on July 6th. Where was the first MLB All-Star game played in 1933? Was it A, Crosley Field in Cincy, the Polo Grounds in New York, Comiskey Park in Chicago, or Yankee Stadium in New York? Hmm. South side, Yankee right? Stadium. Uh, southern part of the well, city. Let's go let's go Chicago. Why not? Why not Chicago? Chicago. All right. Okay. Corey, a lot of hand holding through the first two. I think you gotta take the wheel at some point, all right? <laughs> Question three for you, Corey. Scott Dixon won his fifth Indianapolis five hundred pole last year. He stands one behind Rick Mears, who has a record of six five hundred poles. Among the active drivers. Who is second behind Dixon in terms of most Indianapolis 500 polls? Is it Elio Castroneves, Ed Carpenter, Will Power, or Simon Pagano? I'd, I'd have to say Elio. Now, no one has been on the poll three straight years, right? That's what Dixon's trying to achieve? I believe that's correct, yes. Uh, okay, number four here, Corey. It took Sam Hanks 13 tries before he picked up his first and only Indy 500 win in 1957. Who had the second most starts in the 500 before picking up a win? Was it A, Jim Rathman, B, Johnny Rutherford, C, Tony Kanaan, or D, Will Power? Go Rutherford. By the way, 10 drivers have been going for... Three straight poles. Nobody's ever done it. Uh, but six of the ten qualified in the front six Ooh. in their third try, just so you know. Could be some good drama for Sunday. Uh, question number five for you, Corey. In the previous 106 runnings of the Indianapolis 500, 73 winners have used Firestone tires. 29 have used Goodyear tires. Three other manufacturers have supplied tires to the 500 winning car. Which of the following does not have an Indianapolis 500 winner Driving on its rubber. Is it Michelin, Dunlap, Palmer Cord, or BF Goodrich? Man, the third one seems like an obvious choice, but it, it feel like it's a trick question. You know, when Parnelli so, was in the uh, turban, somebody in the crowd said, well, he Dunlap the field. Let's go Dunlap. I don't care. <laughs> in my opinion, that sucked. I'm just doing what I can here. Doing what I can. Corey, good effort. Send me a text, man, and I'll buy you a beer. Not a Little King, but oh, I'll buy you, you a beer. Oh, you got to buy him Little buy Kings. A beer. Uh, I'm not driving to Ohio for you it. You don't have to drive to Ohio. Yes, you do. Uh, no, he you go don't. Four for five, right? The only slip up I was. I guarantee you, Payless Liquors has Little Kings. Well, let's find out. Was not the only slip up Tony Kanon? Uh, the only question that he missed, because the Atlanta Hawks was correct, Comiskey Park correct, Elio Castroneves was correct, Dunlap correct. Tony Kanaan was the driver who, in 2013, won in his 12th start. Second most start in the 500 for picking up a win. Corey, thanks, man. Stay on the line. Uh, I think Hanks did it in his 12th, didn't he? Ooh, sounds like a debate between you and Scotty here during the break. Okay. Uh, a little bit of Colts news to get to to round out the show. Kevin Aquari here on a gorgeous Thursday. Jake, we mentioned uh, before the break a little bit of Colts news, and this is probably something to monitor here over the next couple of months. Um, Stephen Holder 
tweeted this out that uh, Jonathan Taylor, who is in line for a possible contract extension this offseason, is in the process of changing agents. Uh, Steven adds, Taylor has downplayed the issue, but this will be a tricky negotiation. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more on that front. I think this is a very interesting one to monitor. First off, it's a running back getting paid. Those are kind of murky to begin with in today's NFL. Taylor has been everything you would want for, I think, from a productivity standpoint. He's been pretty durable. I know he had an ankle issue this year that he played through. Uh, do you throw the franchise tag on him? You know, This is year three of four on his rookie deal, so technically he still has one year left coming up. This would be a contract year coming up for him. Uh, he's completed three seasons of that four-year rookie deal. Uh, I, My thoughts with running backs always are this. You don't give them second contracts, and you don't draft them until day three. I don't draft running backs in round one, round two, round three. That would be my thought process with it. Um, I can sit here and acknowledge Taylor is pretty unique, and it would be very helpful to Anthony Richardson to have a guy like that. Uh, but how they handle this will be something to watch. You know, the I will be curious to see. Allow me to ask this, Kevin, at the risk of sounding like a moron. No, we've done that enough today. Taylor's contract is up at the end of this season, correct? Yeah, this coming season. So a free agent in 2024. I'm asking this incredulously reluctantly, but is it possible the Colts do not feature or showcase him to the full level that they normally would knowing that he is in a contract year? I don't think that that's the case, but I'm asking. Yeah, I don't think that would be anywhere on the mind of Shane Steichen calling plays. Yeah. Um. This is not me saying that this player is a better player than Jonathan Taylor, but Jake, of the two guys that are due contract extensions this offseason, I, if I were the Colts, I'd rather pay Michael Pittman than pay Jonathan Taylor. I think in today's NFL, I mean, here, here's the better question. Which player, in terms of what they bring to the table, is easier to replicate elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's running back. Um, you know, and, and again, I don't want to discredit what Taylor's done. It's darn impressive what he's achieved, but giving running backs, you know, three and four year extensions. Father Time is just undefeated. Now Taylor has a really unique resume in how durable he's been. This year was the first time he's really ever missed a game or even substantial practice time due to injury. And of course, you have to ask yourself: Is this the start of something more? Or not. So, uh, we'll chat. Uh, we'll chat with Stephen about that when he joins us next week. But uh, with the cap space the Colts have this off season, they have a lot still. I think the fact that it's May 18th, typically you don't use a lot of cap space this time of year. Free agency is largely over. I think the thought process you you are using some of that on potential extensions for Taylor and or Pittman, and those extensions typically occur late July into August. Can I tell you one thing that I find a little bit, I understand it, but a little bit like confusing about the Grand Marshal of the Indianapolis 500, Stephanie Beatrice? Yeah, uh-huh. Mark, you said you know her from where? Well, my kids watched the movie Encanto, which is a Disney movie. She's the voice of the main character. Okay, and then... And again, keyword there, voice. Yeah, the, other she, thing, the other thing that you said, people would... She's on Brooklyn Nine, or she was on Brooklyn Nine Nine with Andy Samberg. Right. 
I understand that NBC, and, and certainly to their credit, it is becoming a, a by-the-day increasingly larger platform. I understand that they're wanting to get people to go to Peacock, but in promoting that she is going to be the Grand Marshal of the Indianapolis 500, they are first using her role on her Peacock show as her signature role as opposed to those for which she would be more famous. Yeah, I was confused when I saw that was the line. Twisted Metal, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a show I think they're trying to promote on Peacock, but I think initially you need to say to people, oh, you would know her from this. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's just... Now, Grand Marshall's a pretty... <laughs> I mean, if we're going to mention Peacock, I should probably play it, right? What's Fairly Dickinson's nickname? Knights. They have two, right? Yeah, like basketball is one and then yeah, all the sports yeah, yeah. are the other, or all the That's D2 right. sports or something. That's right. Um, and the Knights? No, oh, Mark. Are the buttons stuck? Yeah, the buttons stuck. <laughs> Do we not have the sound of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure of the two Knights getting in a fight? No, we don't. Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, but of green flag pace car driver Grand Marshal, Grand Marshal's pretty clearly third on the list of importance, right? In terms of yeah, I would like, agree with that. How you see their face over the next you know week or so? I'd agree, especially with that. on Sunday. I still maintain. I found it. Feeling <laughs> like on a welding sword fight. Uh, okay. What? Which happens a lot with those troughs out there at the old uh, okay. IMS. Kevin. Anything to add, Jake, here? One of our, easily one of our worst shows in the history of <laughs> right this existence. Right said that line. Easily. <laughs> Tomorrow's Fast Friday. I saw That's what I have to add. <laughs> Mark, did you see Tony from the YouTube chat was listening? He's a taxi driver in London. No. Really? Said he's a big Colts fan and listening while... He was taking a break. You know what he's saying, actually? Oh. Oh, oh, where would you like to go? In my opinion, that sucks. This is how we lose Tony, not maintain Tony. We rode in one of... When you were in London, did you ride in one of the... Not all the cabs of the little black ones. I did the, the tuber. The what? The tuber. The oh, I went to school with the tubers and twins. That's not... No, jeez. Add, add them to the... You mean just the tube? Yeah. You mean the subway, the tube? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, but did you take one of the black... I mean, the famous, like... Taxi cab cars in in London. It it was just so odd because the driver. It's on the other side. Well, that. But then they also have like the, the, you know, the little divider between the front and the back. But he talks to you through a microphone and there's little speakers and then he can hear what you're saying. The ones in Ted Lasso that go up against your lips. What's that? The microphones that the announcers use. Yeah. They have a little thing on that goes like right up against. They're pressed right against their lips. I love like the open air feel to it all. And they're just like right there. And mm-hmm. So the the fella who's a cabbie in London is he from England? I, I did or? not get a lot of background, but shout out to Tony. Thank you very uh, much, uh, t- Tony. Tony. F- thank you, thank you for ringing us, uh, r- ringing us up on, on the on the uh, not on the telly. Uh, thank you to Joel Erickson, Pato Award, Christy Sides. Tomorrow, Alexander Rossi and Mark Tentatively, that is 845, Yes, correct? Yes, I've been told that he will be there at 845. For Alexander Rossi. Jake, plan of attack for cars today. You are guessing a little bit more qualifying action? The teams that have multiple cars will probably send them out in multiple setups. So you're going to have a wide array of speeds that you're going to see within one team. You're going to go, wait a minute, why is Joseph Newgarden really fast and Scott McLaughlin was not, or Will Power, or whatever it might be? The smaller teams are probably going to go out, and by the second half of the day, 
start setting their car up for qualifying. So they're going to have more independent speed themselves. But I do think it's going to be a busy day. It's going to be a great day to be out there because there's going to be a lot of cars on track and a ton of laps turned. And I would anticipate that all 34 of them will have um, probably a minimum of 50 to 75 laps each. So it's be absolutely beautiful weather-wise today. Tomorrow, a little bit of chance of rain. It is Fast Friday. The boost will go up in those cars as we uh, get ready for quals. Again, a little rundown of the weekend. Our coverage right here all weekend long from a qualifying standpoint. You're looking at cars, uh, I guess, spots 13 to 30 in the field. That will be set on Saturday. And then come back Sunday for the last row shootout. That's four cars for three spots. And then within that, I think kind of sandwiched around it, I should say, you'll have the Fast 12. So each of the first four rows will be decided on Sunday. Uh, I've got the the Lakers tonight, and both of you guys are going with Mr. Jokic again. Yep. Yeah, I think Denver goes up 2-0. I'll be enjoying a little Kings while watching it. Oh, gosh. Riveting. Riveting. Everybody have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.